the still unknown relationship between what we call the unconscious psyche and what we call matter, a mystery with which psychosomatic medicine endeavors to grapple. In studying this still undefined and unexplained connection, it may prove to be that psyche and matter are actually the same phenomenon, one observed from within and the other from without. Dr. Jung put forward a new concept that he called synchronicity. This term means a meaningful coincidence of outer and inner events that are not themselves causally connected. The emphasis lies on the word meaningful. For example, if we roll the number four, and the moment we roll that, the number four bus starts to pass. Uh, we either follow the bus immediately, or if the bus stops at the bus stop, we all pile onto the bus and just, you know, then roll the dice again. And if it's like a five, then we'll go five stops, five bus stops before we get off again. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America show. We are going to be chatting with Mr. Todd Akamesis a little bit later. Uh, about synchronicities and all sorts of great stuff. We talk about his synchro walks in London, which are a great time. I think I give out a 10. Do I give out a 10 on this motherfucker? No, I think it was close. It was close. Yeah. No, it was a nine, maybe a nine yeah. point something. It's a high score. Someone got yeah. a high score. And then the mind spa. It's got the mind yeah, spa. Yeah, that's right. Grabs a little wet dream. Didn't uh, you have the mind spa idea? No, no. Hmm. Anyway, across oh. from here, we got the one and only Graham Caricature Dunlop. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. How'd you like your caricature? Head over to grimerica.ca. Guys, check out the new website. Your legs were too hairy. Down at the bottom, you have our new caricatures drawn by the one and only Redful Junkie. Thanks, Red. Yeah. And thanks to me for redoing the site. Have we talked about that yet? I think it's done now. It's done. No, you can't search, though. Why is there no search on there? Every time I go there to search for stuff to put in the show notes, I can't even find it. <laughs> search button. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> I'll add a search you know, down sister, at the bottom. My sister pointed that out too. Did she? Yeah. I didn't know anyone used that. Huh. I know. <laughs> Except you know, for you. If it's just you, then. Well, you know, I can add a search widget. Don't you enough. ever look at, don't you ever search who searched for what on our site? Because I I used to search some funny names just so you'd look it up because I thought you were watching that. No, I don't. Like no. Darren is gay. No. no <laughs> or not gay. I didn't use gay. No, there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. Um, no, I don't ever check anything to do with the website. No. And if I'm certain, actually, sometimes I will need to because someone will want to know the link for a certain episode. And if it's back before I started making the links easy to track, mm -hmm. then I'll just search. I'll just type Grimerica in Google. Yeah, Grimerica right. something in yeah. Google. That's a good point. Grimerica, just, yeah, whatever. Why search the site when you can just search Google? Yeah. And it's probably the first one that pops up, anyways. Till we get blacklisted. Yeah. Which I'm sure will happen, but that's okay. I mean, we're fully prepared to self-host if we need to. We've had luckily with James, we've got that option. If we ever get turned off, we can just turn back on. I know there's about half a dozen or a dozen people that are have running backups of the show. Well, thank thanks to all the listeners for supporting our monthly expenses so we can actually do this kind of stuff, right? We have fixed expenses in here for like the website and the podcast hosting and all that stuff. And now that's, you know, that's covered by you guys. So thanks for doing that. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to do the show. Nah, we would have given up by now. Yeah, <laughs> I really do think so. 
Yeah. And if you support the show. Sometimes I think about giving up every day. It crosses my mind. <laughs> any, any dollar amount gets you the black budget support feed, which we've got actually an episode. When this comes out, there'll be a new episode in the black budget support feed. So it's a bunch of extra, sort of more controversial, different types of content. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different thing, but there's more content there. A couple shows a month. And I think there'll be one in there shortly before or after this episode comes out. Yeah. Yeah, probably before. Yeah. yeah. It's probably in there already. So and if you I subscribe right now. It's probably going to be with Alex Sakaris from Skeptical and Red Pill Junkie. Now that I'm caught up, usually if, if you get a new subscriber, you probably get the new link within a couple of hours. Right. So you let's explain to that. a bunch of shows you never heard before. Yeah. So how many we have? And like, stop using fucking FM player. Because every time you guys go to FM player and enter the feed, it fucking makes it publicly available to everyone. And I have to call them a bitch and they have to what? shut it off. This is happening. It seems again? like FM player and Castro FM or something like that. So it seems like if, if your pod player is FM in the title, find a new fucking pod player. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could see why they do it. I mean, we're, we're, we have a pretty backwards way of doing it just because I know like MU and Expanded Perspectives and all those guys end up paying money and they'll do this whole password protected RSS feeds things. And I yeah. just don't care to get into that. You know, it's yeah. not that but the problem is so, so the difference being, you have to manually send out the link to people that donate. So when, when people donate in every day, Darren sends the link out and then you just copy and paste that URL into your podcast player. That's right. Probably yeah. not with FM in the title. Yeah. And now you got all the black budget episodes. Yeah. Actually, they both took it down right away as soon as I messaged them. But the thing is, I have no way of even knowing they're there until someone tells me. Yeah. Not that I really care that much, but, you know. No, but it's our... It's not it's fair our, to the supporters if yeah. other people are getting it for free. And people support the show, and we wanted to put out some extra content, and we had some extra content, so we thought we'd, we'd you know, we'd do that and uh, help people, you know, reach... And it would help us, actually, just get more subscribers. That's what we were hoping as well. We were, yeah. Yeah. We were hoping and start to... budgeting for things and improving things. That's right. All sorts of fun stuff we can do. Yep. And uh, we can't do it without the help of guys like you and gals. So check out gramerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly. There's everything there from a buck a month to 33 bucks a month. If you want to do more or less or something in between, let me know and I'll email you a custom one. Yep. Uh, there's a box there that you can do a custom uh, one-time donation, of course. I did make a Patreon account. I'm not sure what the URL is. I think it's in the show notes. Oh, I don't know if we put that in the show we notes. We should put it in the I'll show make, notes. I that. don't think we have any Patreons yet. To be honest, I don't care if we ever get any. Um, but I would like <laughs> no, more No, but supporters. it's hard because we had problems with our, our guest uh, the other day who couldn't donate from Japan because of PayPal. Yeah, that's right. But he was able to subscribe. Oh. To a monthly. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, let me know. We can always use Patreon or something like that. Yeah. I think Patreon is the only other real alternative at this point. We can also just send a check or something. Yeah, all the other stuff's in the show notes, like con contact, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, emails, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And if you can't afford to support the show monetarily, we understand that as well. Uh, you can review the show, share the show. Send in some jingles. Send in some jingles. You can send in some art that we can use in the in the store or for past episodes uh i did get some emails asking about episodes so all our Ooh. all our current art for new episodes is done uh, not all of it but right now it is oh yeah right now it is like right now we don't need art for new episodes that's all done by nap and we're not going to change that yeah but there is i think i mean i could get you the exact number but there's something like a hundred and some 
I think there's a hundred and some episodes before we started doing custom art. So anything before that, I'd like to eventually change everything out so that everything we have is custom art. So I think there's, I mean, off, I don't, I don't want to go through it now. I think, like I say, I think it starts around a hundred and around a hundred everything before that. I mean, if you're not sure you can email me and say, Hey, I want to do this episode and I'll let you know if we have art for it, but I want to say from zero to a hundred, we could use custom art. Mm-hmm. But any new episodes, don't bother because we got a nap. Yep. So how's your? And that's just too good to. Yeah. Bother yeah. changing it. No offense to. I'm not saying that. No, no, no. I'm not saying that people that. Right yeah, now. naps yeah. a part of the team, so we're not gonna stray away from that, unless you get sick of it. Speaking of jingles. That's our new troll jingle from the King of Jingles. Nice. Not the King of Shingles. <laughs> Don't be a troll and support the show. Right jingles on. count. If you send me some good jingles, I'll send you the link. Yeah, there's another one I'm waiting to hear, but I haven't heard yet that I emailed you, I forwarded it to you. There was no attachment. No, no, the one before that. I'll, I'll remind you. It's okay. When I the problem is when I email Darren, he doesn't really. I read the one that you said. Please at least read this. Actually, <laughs> just put that in the subject line every time you got my attention. I actually felt bad for a sec. Actually, if, if you have a jingle and you want it to be heard, then it should come from you directly to Darren, and his email is in the show notes and on the website as well. Otherwise, you're relying on me to forward it to him, and then for him to ignore my email. Did you see in the bios that they both say you spam him at grandmacrimerica.com? <laughs> now I'm looking for the one with the attachment. Because it was from Crazy Ryan, right? Anyways, how was your trip? It was good. So you went down to the eclipse? Yes. And you met some, you met Garrett down there? I did. I met, well, I missed Oh, do you got your didgeridoo? Weren't you going to play me a little? Oh, I was going to go get the didgeridoo. Yeah, that means you're going to have to keep talking. I don't fucking have an attached show. Okay, I'll send it to you later. Don't look okay. now. I'll be back. Are you going, really? What are you going to do? You want me to do the UFO quote or something while you're gone? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let me find a jingle for you. And I don't have to, or do you have a weather segment? That'd be perfect. No, I'm not doing that now. <laughs> then I could just take no, off. No, no, no. Down and Graham, going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. All right, so this is a good one. I am not a specialist on UFOs, and therefore I can only correlate the data and express my own supposition. As General Igor Maltsev in the newspaper Robachoya Tribune, and that's, uh, who knows how to pronounce that, that was from April 19, 2005. Now, General Igor Maltsev reported that he had reports of more than 100 visual observations compiled by commanders of several air defense units of Moscow military district of a UFO 
which has been seen in the area of, oh, this is going to be impossible, Paraslav Zaliski in the northeast of Moscow on March 21st, 1990. So he's accumulated like 100, 100 visual observations. 100? Yeah, <clears throat> over more than 100. So Maltsev included with this report to the newspaper five testimonials, including a report by a pilot who flew over the object and a report from the ground radar tracking station. The pilot saw only two lights and a dimly perceived silhouette of the object against city lights. The radar station reported a sighting of a rapidly moving, shiny object with red lights and another with white lights that followed the first. The report included times, azimuths, and distances of the reported objects. There you have it. There you have it. Bingo, bango. You're back. As they say. So yeah, the trip was good. I went down. I seen the eclipse. Traffic getting there wasn't bad. We got a great spot. Um, there was only us and an old couple from Seattle at the end of uh, County Road 10 outside of Longview. So you kind of did, you found, like you go down the main roads and you find your little... Your little off-roads? Yeah, that's right. And that, with like a clearing or something like that where you can... Yep. Set up chairs. There was no through roads. There was no real traffic. The kids could play and ride around on their bikes a little bit. Um, but we sat and waited because we were there, I want to say, probably about an hour and a half early. Mm-hmm. Um, waiting, and it was early in the morning, too. I mean, it started at 9.30, but we got to our spot around 8. We mm-hmm. left the hotel around 5. <laughs> Uh, cause just we had, to make sure? Yeah, just to make sure. Like our whole hotel, the lady at the front desk said the entire hotel was there for the eclipse. And every hotel in town was booked. So, I mean, like it was a steady stream of traffic in the morning. It wasn't like we were had the highway to ourselves. It was just moving. It was a steady stream of traffic, moving, not stopping. Um, so, yeah, we did that, got down there, waited. Wasn't a letdown at all. We had great weather. Uh, no clouds, not a cloud in the sky. Hmm. So we watched the eclipse come in, got our minute and a half or so of totality. Did you get some crazy. video? Uh, I haven't gone through the GoPro stuff yet. I sent you the great picture Lisa got. Yeah, yeah, that, that awesome. was her picture? Wow, yeah. that was good, yeah. Oh, yeah, but I mean, the pictures, Efrain had the best quote, because I, I seen him later in the trip, was that... You saw him? Either, yeah, either saw. I seen him. You saw him? Seen? <laughs> saw? Saw. Isn't it seen? Past tense? Saw. Hmm. It's okay. That's Agre- a, it's a Northern Ontario thing. Agreed to it's disagree. Part of, it's part of the, what makes you <laughs> a good Canadian accent. So his quote was, just, if you missed it, you missed it. You know, there's not enough pictures or videos or anything in the world to really... Oh, really? To really... And I would agree with him 100%. And I would imagine any one of our listeners who's seen the totality... Would, totality? The totality? Is that... More than the totality of the totality? The totality. That's like a step above. I'm just trying to make fun of you. Like you I see it. You're yeah. really trying, yeah, really I digging guess. deep, but you're just scrambling. <laughs> scrambling, Graham. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think, no, I, I'd, I'd encourage if you have the opportunity to check it out because it was super, uh, super profound and pretty much indescribable. Like there's heat implications. This, the, the shadowing is like so nothing you've ever seen. The The lack of light so you can start to see, say, like a single sort of blade of grass or like, you know, those weeds that kind of look like wheat. Yeah. That you'd normally never be able to see the shadow of because there's just too much sunlight bouncing off everything. But like, and you can even start to notice in your own shadow as it gets darker, your fingers, you can start to play with your shadow a little bit more because the, 
the point of light becomes more focused. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to describe, but you can notice it in all the shadows. Can you see the edge of light, like, moving, like... Can you see it coming, edge, like yeah. the shadow? Yeah, no. no, not really. You got to think it crosses the continental USA yeah. from its longest border to, you know, coast to coast is a long way in like yeah. an hour and a half. It's fucking flying. So it gets dark too, right? It gets like, dark, yeah. yeah. And it's a weird sort of dark because it's dark when with sunrise or sun setting in every direction. Because you're in the middle of, say, a 40 or 50 mile bubble of darkness. So you yeah. can see light in every direction. Especially where we were is big sky country. So you can see a long ways in every direction. So you could see, like, I, I have a panorama picture where you can see a ribbon of light in every direction. But you're in darkness. And as it starts coming in, the first thing you notice is the heat. Like, so wait, so wait, wait, wait. You're seeing the, the ribbon of light. So I was trying to figure out what that picture was. I didn't really get it. But that, that ribbon of light is the light outside the darkness? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, the first thing you notice is the heat. Cause I mean, when it gets down, like I bet you it's at 95% and you could kind of tell if you're really paying attention that there's a change in the light around you, but it'd be hard. Well, to, we felt that in Calgary. Yeah, there's it, a bit of a change. Here. It'd be hard to notice if yeah. you, if you weren't yeah. directly looking for it. Yeah. Um, but once it gets like, you notice the heat, like, I don't know if you notice that here, but once it gets like 99%, we were in a super hot place. It went up to about 35 degrees that day. Nice. And it went from hot to like cool. Lisa had to go get a sweater because the heat from the sun. But I mean, it's down to that last sliver. It's probably 98, 99%. And you take off your glasses for a second and it's still fucking bright. Like you look at the sun and you can't tell that the whole sun's not there. Mm. I think there's different tricks with, you know, yeah. putting it through holes so you can see it. But if you were just... It was a couple hundred years ago, you'd have no way of knowing until that second where it goes dark, which I guess technically happened eight minutes no, ago. No, no, no. You would tell, I could, we could tell here uh, by the naked eye that it was too bright, that it was weird. So if it, you would be able to tell. Like you can't 80, tell by looking at, you can't tell by looking at the sun. No. Oh, until it's, oh, until I see Until it's, it goes zero to 60. Like at 99%, I'm taking my, where you, you have your glasses on, oh, you can see just see mean, the yeah. tiny little yeah. rim in the bottom corner. And if I take my glasses off, it's too bright still. Too bright. Until it gets to 100. Until and it gets to 100. Then you can take them off for like a minute and yeah. a half. And then I could take them off for about a minute and a half. Wow. And you just see a crazy Corona around a pitch black circle which is that picture, but that picture does not do it justice. Like the whole thing is dancing around the moon at the same time. Right. It's just like a crazy fireball with a black center. Really? eh? Yeah. It was something else. Like we'll go to the one in Newfoundland. Really? In 2024. Yeah. Well, we want to go to Newfoundland anyway. Isn't it 2046? 2044 is here. 2044. And 2024 is in Newfoundland. Oh, I mean, I, we, we want to go to Newfoundland anyway, so we're just going to do it then. Go rent it. We're at, yeah. This time I'm going to rent a cabin. Yeah. Because there's cabins. Newfoundland's desolate. It goes through the entire east coast of the states first. Yeah. So I don't think there'll be a lot of traffic in Newfoundland, but at this time I'm just going to have a cabin rented in the path of totality, so we just hang out. Because traffic leaving was fucking ludicrous. So you really want to, <laughs> like 100,000 vehicles kind of? Oh, probably more. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, and the, this, the other thing I regret is that I was within like 15, 20 miles of David Matheson. Yeah. But he didn't realize, find out where I was going because we had pre-recorded that release. Yeah. Or he hadn't listened yet or yeah. whatever. It's yeah. too bad, really, because we were, we were real close to each other. We could have easily made that a meetup. But he did bump into... Uh... But I did bump into Garrett after we fought our way through the traffic. We ended up just park camping on the side of some old dirt road. 
the first night or after the eclipse because there was no way we were getting to our next destination yeah. through the traffic. Yeah. But uh, the next day we made it down to California, met up with Garrett, Garrett and his wife. <clears throat> they were great. We had a great time down there with them. They brought me some pretty out of this world moon rocks and my hat, uh, Sasquatch hunting permit. <laughs> and we became fast it. friends and him is his wife and my wife became fast friends as well oh, so that's great and it turns out they've got family in montana so we'll be able it's about halfway between us so we're planning on meeting up with them again right on that's great so pretty good yeah and then other people in the chat uh, so we got to spend up. a couple hours with garrett and his wife yeah that was great we do have this perpetual chats going on that's when we say that and it's america.ca uh, slash chats i yeah, think slash chats and there's other people in there that, that met up right uh, I think Adam and a couple people, and then no, Adam got ditched. Oh, <laughs> for the right. for the lovebirds. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> but I think Adam still had a great time. So yeah, people fell in love. I don't know if they the fell chat. in love, but there's definitely <laughs> we some. That. We can say it because we could just say it. But uh, there's definitely some sparks flying in the chat. So yeah, who knows? Maybe our first uh, America hookup. Marriage. Yeah. Then yeah. you have to be the MC. So I'm going to play Garrett taught me a little Oh, you going to play how to play the okay. didge. Okay. This is my new didge. Got an extra curl in it. Got Garrett drew some pot leaves on there for me. Wrote take the shot. There's some I don't know what the anti-vaccine nice, stuff on nice. there. Are you going to play it just stand back and play it in the mic? <laughs> That's it? Can't do the like the circular. That's <laughs> look a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've had too many professional bass players playing for me. I guess you really got to get to that circular breathing, eh? Well, Garrett, I don't think you, you taught Darren any more than he already knew. No, I'm just kidding. I think you're out of breath. The first uh, one was the best. So, Are you dizzy? A little dizzy. <laughs> I had it going a little bit where yeah. I could start changing the tones. Yeah. But I haven't figured out the circle breathing yet. Yeah. That's the key. I bet. And I might still pass out. Yeah. Whew. Thanks, buddy. What else you got? Well, I do. I have some emails. I mean, we have, other than that, the trip was great. Oh, Oregon is awesome. Oregon is probably the best place. Oh, I should continue actually. So Oregon's always awesome. Uh, Seaside's always great. I think that's going to become an annual trip for us to just go to Seaside and hang out there for, there's so much to see in and around there. Like I still haven't made it to the dunes, which are supposed to be just amazing. Um, but yeah, Oregon's got a little bit of everything. High desert, forests, coasts, beaches, fucking the high desert was cool. You'd get a kick out of that. And Ephraim, Ephraim drove out and met us, set up his solar projector, which was a big hit. We couldn't go like two minutes without somebody walking by and being like, Hey, what's this? I told Ephraim, I was like, you should just have a jar here. And people would just come by all day. And cause that's what everyone else on the beach is doing, right? There's a dude building sandcastles and he'll put your name in the heart, your for for a tip and you know it's like that kind of a town 
So like Ephraim's trying to set us up to show us the solar projector and the guy literally can't go like two minutes without some people stopping by and asking him a bunch of questions and looking at it. And yeah, it was pretty neat. The guy's like a little celebrity. It's, it's I'll, awesome. I'll put a link to him and his little projects in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to build one now because it was pretty awesome. Like he did a great job with that thing. He drove it out. We smoked a J and checked it all out. The kids got a kick of it. The wife got a kick out of it. It was a little too windy to really get it set, but you can definitely see like watching the, uh, the, uh, planet transfers would be something else on it. Cause like you, you watch it and you're like, you'll see, you can watch Venus come across the sun. You can tell it's the sun you're looking at. Absolutely. Cause he's got a, a basically a binocular pointing at the sun and he's focusing it onto a projecting it onto the back. Is it bigger? Yeah. It's like this big around. Okay. So and it's not you like can see like the sunspots and stuff on it. Really? So it's yeah, not it's like cool. a pinhole. Uh, no, it's not a pinhole yeah. at all. It's like yeah. this big around. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he said he watched the eclipse on it and he's watched planet transfers on it. Wow. So you'll see Mercury or across Venus go sun. flying by no across way. the sun. Yeah. Any UFOs to do that? I don't know. You'd have to be monitoring. Actually, Ephraim, you should have that thing set. The thing is it would have to follow the sun, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, fuck. Now you've yeah. got me saying right. For fuck's sakes. I'm doomed. That's okay. No, it's not okay. <laughs> couple of um, couple of our friends had sightings that night, the eclipse night. Bill, did they? Bill and somebody else, I think. I gotta. I seen the. You can definitely see the stars. I well, I don't know if I saw stars, but I definitely seen Jupiter and Venus. Hmm. I don't know if it happened during, but like around that time. I, huh. I think I'm losing track of my emails. I gotta go you have back. Food and in your mouth up. right now? No, that's okay. Just a... what? Just, I, I gotta go back and get my trail emails. off there. I'm losing track, buddy. I know Michael went and seen it too. Actually, fuck, I have voicemails to play. Here, you you say something and not, while I dig up these voicemails. I have the best super synchro. Are you ready for this one? Super synchro? Are you ready for this? I don't think you can do a... Uh, this is from this is from Vic. Synchronicity. It's time for another installment of the Canadian third party synchronicity rating authority. All right. Jeez, we listened to that whole jingle that time. Okay, this is from Vic. Vic. I remember him emailing in a couple years ago. I think. Maybe not that long. Hey, Graham, get ready for the super synchro. Sunday morning, August 27th. I'm listening to the biohacking episode with Tristan Haggard. I stopped as you brought up migraines so I could listen to the No Agenda live stream. So I started the stream and I hear you talking about migraines with Tristan. I thought that podcast app might not have closed properly, but no way, Jose. Grimerica episode 237 was playing on the No Agenda stream and picked up right where I left off. Mind blown. P.S. I hate to cloud the jury pool, but I am a subscriber, and I wait my outrageous synchro score. P.P.S. Keep up the good work, guys. It's a little vague. What? Well, I, I, need, I don't want to know, like, the second to second. I wish I could pick up exactly. No, no, it's it just pretend it, it's at the same exact spot. It's like he shuts it off when I say, oh. when you say that, and then pick it up, and you're saying oh the next God. word. Come on. When, since when do you nitpick okay. little details like that? I'll give him a fucking... You have to swear while you do it? Yeah, I fucking do. <laughs> um, so it must have been on Sunday. 
That's good. It'd be like an 8.42. Yeah, that's a good one. Should it be more? I feel like giving it more than that, it would be self-serving. But yeah, it's amazing that we're on the No Agenda live stream. That's too. amazing. Thanks, guys. Itself, Big shout yeah. out to No Agenda for that. Big one. shout out to, I think it's, uh, I wanted to shout out to that one Baron specifically, actually. Let me pull up his name quick. Because I think, uh, where are we? Keep talking. Keep talking. What day is it today? Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, I got another... Uh, hmm. How do I get caught up in this much conversation on this thing? I never go in here anymore. I got to spend more time in here. Sir Ryan Bemrose. Yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. All right, buddy, you want to play the, play those voicemails then? What voicemails? You said you were searching oh, for... My... <laughs> this is this is what I have to deal with here. This is the, this is the, sh- the short-term memory. <laughs> Short-term uh, memory loss. I was just messing with you. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, this is from Garrett, I think. And this is why Darren doesn't read his emails from me or probably even his my voicemails if I ever left him one. Not playing. Let's do it this way. Hey, guys, it's Garrett. Um, so I just wanted to let you know the new website looks fantastic. And um, Darren, so we were supposed to meet up tomorrow. However, um, the moon serpent just showed up at my house. I guess it has something to do with the eclipse. Um, and he wants to eat me. Does that mean I was told that I should let him. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And hopefully I will see you tomorrow. So anyways, I'll see you on the other side, guys. Have a good day. Grimerica rocks. Does that mean it's his girlfriend's time of the month or his wife's time of the month? I don't know, but she listens to the show. The moon serpent and wants him to eat it? I think that's, <laughs> I think you're uh, overanalyzing it. And you probably just got a dirty look through an iPod. Let me see. Oh, I didn't know Garrett was into that kind of stuff. The moon serpent? Oh, you should have heard the stories Garrett was telling me. He's lining up with a guest right now. Uh, super spooky stuff. That's good. I'm going to try and time it around October. Okay, good. Well, yeah, some Satanist. Some, yeah, great, great, great stories. Um, what else do we got? All right. Here? Well, this is kind of a scary uh, intro. Yet. Oh, you're not done yet. Okay. I got another one. Okay. Relax. I don't know why everything seems so slow in here today. This is infinitely Felix from the Great uh, <laughs> America chats. I have a synchro which turned into a compound synchro uh, with your guys' last show. So I'm sitting around with my friends. We're just hanging out on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Uh, Their names are Sam Carmus and Andrew Kelly, not their real names. So here's the synchro. I've been wanting to watch the the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind just because. And I'm like, hey. You guys want to watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind? You got it on DVD or any way we could access it and watch it? So my buddy Sam, Sam Carmus, pulls out his uh, little binder of DVDs, and I look through it, and he doesn't have Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I'm like, oh, I wish we could have watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So I'm looking through it, and we ended up settling on watching The Cable Guy, Cable Guy with Jim Carrey. And you know how at the beginning of uh, some, time, some movies, 
the filmmaking company will will show like a reel of all the awesome movies that they've had in the past, right? So whether it's uh, Universal Studios or Warner Brothers, they'll show all their really awesome movies, just little clips of some of the movies they've made in the past, hit movies. You know what I'm talking about, right? So preview of all their uh, little highlights of the movies they've made. So lo and behold, we put in Cable Guy. Uh, we put in the Cable Guy movie and the DVD starts. And the first thing that pops up for this film reel of all their highlighted movies is a scene from Close Encounters of the Third Kind with Richard Dreyfus. So it was a synchro. And I've been meaning to call in and uh, or do this message or whatever for the show. And didn't do it, put it off for a couple of days. And this was like last weekend. And then I listened to your guys' most recent show and you guys mentioned close encounters of the third kind. So I thought <laughs> this, this would be a perfect opportunity to talk about the synchro because it became a compound synchro involves the show. So again, that's my synchro. Uh, that's pretty much it. Have a good week, everybody weekend, wherever you're at in the space time continu- uh, continuum. And I hope you like my synchro. Peace out. I like the voicemail synchro. Thanks, Felix. Yeah. And that's and the best way the to do it. Coming, yeah. If people can uh, record a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash grimerica or grimerica.ca slash voicemail, I think. It's in the show notes. It's in the show notes. And you get to tell your synchro in your own words. And yeah. you're going to get a better score if Graham's not telling it for you. I'm telling you, it can hurt. I'm going to go ahead and give Felix a 7.42. Now, I have one more. Last one, I think. Which is pretty disappointing. Nikki, I was really expecting to get a voicemail from you because I know you watch the eclipse in a cemetery. Oh, wow. Did I listen to this one yet? Here we go. Okay, let me read an email instead and you can save that voicemail for next week. No. This is the voicemail segment. Why, what email do you have? This is Infinitely Felix from the chats. <laughs> I'm leaving this message to detail my solar eclipse experience. Details. That's what I asked for. Uh, nothing too special to report. So I'm up here in northern Wisconsin, and we only got about 83% coverage here with the moon over the sun. So this past summer, I've been doing custodial work, cleaning a middle school from top to bottom. And uh, just so happens during the time of kind of the fullest coverage up here that it was overcast. Uh, so it was covered up, but I got to kind of see the tail end of it when the, the skies kind of cleared. So there's like a metal shop uh, at the middle school and I grabbed a welder's mask and went out there and kind of saw the tail end of it. And, you know, saw the, the moon, moon shadow leaving, leaving the sun. Uh, nothing too special to report. Didn't feel anything crazy. Uh, nothing life changing. I know there was like a big hoopla across the United States for people wanting to see it, but um, other than that, it wasn't too special. Did you me. cry? Um, my brother did call during the totality up here. He's down in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he uh, left a message and yelled, "Solar eclipse!" So I didn't get back to him until later and said, "Hey, saw it." And you know, that was it. Nothing too much, nothing too special. Just thought I'd leave my details here about it all. Uh, hope everyone has a good week, a good weekend. 2017, up in this. Grimerica rules, baby. Peace. Thanks.
Thanks. Thanks well, that's what I asked for people to send in their eclipse report. Yeah. But I really meant people from totality. I thought a lot more people were going to the path of totality. I really think like I've seen three or four eclipses in my life. And, uh, you know, there's no like last time there was one here. I didn't even bother looking. It's just. And now that I've seen a total, I won't even bother. You won't go back. No, there's no. I would fuck it, man. If it ain't once total, you go black, you once go you go back. black, you never go back. The corona is too magnificent. You want to rewrite full three one more email? Yeah, we'll sure. Just because it's kind budget. of it's kind of about this pertinent. Yeah, this is from Fires in the Sky, aka Janine, and she says, "Hey, Grandpa, hope you had a happy eclipsing. It was pretty awesome here in K- KY. I guess that's is that Kentucky." And meeting, so, yeah. meeting uh, Irliana, so she met Irliana, and she said it was awesome. Asynchrony, that's awesome. where Nikki is. Oh, yeah? I think. And he, she says, anyway, the Universal Podcaster has been at it again with all the synchronous info, and I recently handed a review, an interview of Robert Stanley that blew my socks off. His story and research almost exactly parallel what I've dug up over the last eight years or so. I'm surprised I've never come across his work until now. So uh, she passes him on as a suggestion, and she listed a couple uh, podcasts that he's on. Oh, he talks about Wolfens. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. He describes them like Numo, the am- amphibious, shape-shifting parent race of the humanoid, as told in Dogon, Dogon lore. Ooh, Laird could probably help us about that. Yeah. I've seen Laird and Randall arguing on Facebook. <laughs> Not really arguing. Laird was trying to argue, and then a bunch of Randall's got a lot of support out there. Oh, yeah. And you can see it yeah. building so much yeah. that, yeah. you know, he doesn't even have to deal with trolls in his comments because all his supporters will just. And I'm not calling Laird a troll at all. Laird, I think, just got caught up in it that they just won't put up with. Put up with what? With people calling Randall wrong. Oh. Which is probably a problem. He's got a little army of supporters. Who's sure. calling around wrong? Uh, Laird. Wow. On what? Uh, Laird, uh, Randall was posting something about hurricanes and intensity of hurricanes because they're, you know, the first thing that the global warming people do is jump on the, yeah. it's because of global warming. Yeah. And so Randall just posts a thing in the last hundred years yeah. or whatever. Or I can't remember. I, you know, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but all these amount to hurricanes and hurricanes above a certain nottage and blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, post this graph for a couple thousand years or whatever, as long as we've got data for, and they're all like equaling out. And Randall's just saying, you can't use the money as a thing because it's no thing. No question that with inflation and technology and everything else, the damage is just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher and oh, higher. Right, right. Whereas in 1900, if a huge fucking hurricane flooded Houston, you know. It's not going to be billions no, of dollars. No, exactly. Yeah. Or even in the 60s or, you know. Yeah. And Laird was just posting pictures to of the last, like, 12 years or 20 years. And people jumped on that right away saying, well, how can you compare a history here of 10,000 years to, or, you're, you know, we can't say global warming on a 30-year yeah. Fucking thing. Yeah. We've got to look farther than that. Yeah. Farther, as in like thousands. Deeper. Th- yeah. Tens of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Probably. Anyway. We'll get into that more detail. It was just another. interesting because I caught it in my feed of yeah. two past guests fucking yeah. colliding on 
yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. So it's cool. I mean, if you don't know about seeing a total eclipse, either think about this, that we know for sure at least three of our past guests journeyed. And actually, you know who else did is Richimon. Drove oh, yeah. fucking a thousand miles to see it. It yeah. says he's going to Chile to see the next one. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Went to go black, baby. <laughs> Right. The other thing, too, is it's a great crowd, right? It's like uh, Richimon described it best. It's pictured as going to the big game, the biggest game of the year, and everybody's rooting for the same team. <laughs> that's right it. On. Anything else? No, that's it. All right, guys. Enjoy this chat. It's a fun one. Um, tons of great things on synchros. And uh, start your own synchro walk. Brown's going to start his. No, You're not? No, maybe. We'll see. Too shy? Yeah, it's a bit... We'll get you yeah. a Bella Clava. He does a great job, but you can't... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We need a British guy to do it, because they yeah. come off as more friendly. Yeah. We should have done while Nathan was here. He would have been great. Yeah. Anyway. Enjoy the chat, guys. got Todd Akamesis here. It's from spiritualunderground.com, a human potential movement. Super excited about this one. Todd's been, you know, he's a consciousness explorer, training people in astral projection and lucid dreaming and deep meditations. And he's all about the synchronicity. Uh, I saw one of his YouTube videos that kind of blew me away. So uh, I've got an interesting story about how we made contact, but uh, enough of that for now. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you, Graham. I'm really delighted to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Yeah, really good. Uh, had a full day of uh, clients coming to see us at our Mind Spa in London, uh, using our various sort of uh, devices that we've created for exploring consciousness. So yeah, it's been a good day. Mind Spa. Yes. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds great. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, we have a few devices that we've uh, m made ourselves. One is called Pandora Star, which is a brainwave entrainment device. Um, where we have 12 very high-powered LED lights. Um, uh, on one level, we can create very psychedelic uh, deep trance experiences where people can experience you know, very amazing altered states uh, from lucid dreams to out-of-body experiences, depending on the settings. Uh, we can run four frequencies with this machine simultaneously, so we can, we can sort of um, experiment with very exotic states, very exotic brainwave states. So, yeah, people love coming here and uh, being our guinea pigs. Nice. Well, before we get to the rest of the Mind Spa services, we did try Pandora Star right here in Darren's place. Right, oh, really? Right, yeah, right I was actually thinking that I'm going to put Mind Spa 
on the entrance to my spare room. <laughs> on the entrance to your spare room. <laughs> where my volcano lives. Where your volcano <laughs> so, I love it. So, yeah, well, we, we had the, the guys from the Float Life. Uh, they, they were um, Float Lab in here, or Float Life, actually, in Calgary. They were in the, for a podcast, and they brought the Pandora Star over. And we tried it with them. And then, you know, they've been, they've been really wanting us to get you on the show. And then, and I think I tried to make contact a couple of times and sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And then I got this listener email, a link to the YouTube video. And I watched this video and I was blown away by it. And we'll talk about that video later. But, um, and then I realized after what I was like, okay, I got to get this guy on the show. And then I emailed you and I realized that, um, you're the guy that we were already trying to get in contact with and that we had, <laughs> That's brilliant. and that we had tried the Pandora star. And I mean, I, I, I loved it. It was pretty, pretty interesting. I mean, I tried a couple different programs and Darren tried a couple and uh, yeah. So what, so, um, is that always it was a bit too much for me? Was it? Oh yeah. It was like, wow. It was like psychedelics <laughs> without the love. Yeah. It was, it was like psychedelics, <laughs> psychedelics without the psilocybin or DMT. Yeah, we've got we've got about sixty different programs, and I, I would be curious to know what you used um, because you get different effects from different programs, and uh, some of them, yeah, can be sort of throwing people in the deep end. <laughs> yeah, so people are having pretty uh, positive experience with is with these then. You know, we we we've got a formula here at the spa which I'd like to sort of replicate with uh, others like the float centers. Uh, you know, it works really well because like I said, if you throw people in the deep end, sometimes it can be good if they're ready to sort of, uh, you know, sort of do the inner work that's, that goes with that, you know, the treading of water and such. But, um, we, we typically get people in, um, from the whole business community, from, you know, spiritual communities. And we, we like to sort of speak the same language from the beginning. And then from there, we figure out where people are at. And once we find that out, we can then sort of channel them down a direction where we feel will be a good place to sort of just push them right to the edge of their comfort zone. And then if they want more, then they can take more. But that's their decision after that. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can tiptoe in. Darren will tiptoe in. Yeah. And just jump right in. Yeah, it was pretty intense. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But I didn't. Yeah, I'm wondering hit. if you... there was a bunch of people watching, so I couldn't be like, whoa. I just had to like take it (laughs) (laughs) it was probably acid squirrel that's one of our uh one of our uh, most powerful visual experiences where you get constantly like um expanding and and uh, contracting uh sort of uh fractals and geometric patterns and kaleidoscopic color and it can be very intense uh you know sometimes we have to sort of moderate the intensity of the lights uh, maybe move the light away from them a little bit depending on how sensitive they are so what are some of the things that dictate the difference in the program? Is it just the, the blinking, like the frequency, or is there other, other variables in there? Well, first, the curious thing is that, you know, that you've used the light. Um, you know, you, as an observer, you will watch this white flickering light. Underneath the white flickering light, if you're, you're the person having the session, you're having all these rich colors, which we're, we've not programmed the light to do. We've basically just set certain frequencies and your brain is basically creating all this communication, kind of like something like a psychedelic, um, you know, like LSD. LSD gets, the, you know, a lot more of the brain communicating, bypassing normal communication channels. And the light, you know, does a very similar thing. And that extra communication that's taking place starts to interpret all that sort of frequency and then it generates all that color. So literally the brain 
is creating all the colors that people experience. The brain's creating all the the visual stuff, or you could say consciousness is ultimately, because I think the brain is a byproduct of consciousness and not the way that, you know, sort of science thinks the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So, yeah, that's one thing that really freaks people out. You know, they have a session and then they realize that it was only white light. And they're like, wow, is my brain really like that? And say, so, yeah, I mean, we're pretty amazing. And, but yeah, we, we sort of, we can different session to session, we can program the light to do different things. So if we want to come, like, for example, here in London, where we, where we're based, it seems like the default feeling states for people at the moment, you know, are is stress, anxiety, and depression. So, you know, people come in and immediately we might sort of put them on a session, one session we have called happy, which has uh, some frequency states that will really get them into a balanced uh, sort of brainwave state. And by the time they're finished, they usually say very similar things, you know, along the lines of, you know what, I really feel myself again. And that's really powerful. And that's that's a that's really where we want people, because that's a great launch pad to then take people to other areas because they're in that state of being where they're actually able to now receive. Whereas I think when we're all sort of blocked up, you know, we're 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 blocking, you know, energy, we're blocking love, we're blocking you know, all kinds of stuff. And I think, you know, even receiving, you know, receiving uh, sort of love and compassion. So we first want to get people back into that natural state of who and what they really are versus all those, you know, feelings, you know, of, of sadness and depression and stuff that we're not really, that's not really who we are. That's just, you know, stuff that we, you know, feel. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, is there, now there's evidence as well, right? That this, uh, brain, this, this light, uh, flickering and frequency will affect your, your brainwaves, right? Like, will it bring us to a different state like theta or, um, will it help us, you know, slow things down a little bit as well? Absolutely. Uh, we have our, our, one of our favorite programs to use with people who come here where they say, you know, like I've had my spiritual awakening. I'm really deep into this stuff or we get like a, a Buddhist monk who, you know, have been meditating for 30 years and, and they maybe don't think the machine can, you know, sort of uh, show them anything. We put them on a program called Tibet and, uh, you know, like you probably already, it's building a picture. Um, so we have, uh, the light can, uh, run frequencies anywhere from 0.1 Hertz, which is a sub Delta frequency known as epsilon. Uh, and that's uh, 0.5 Hertz and below. So the best way to describe epsilon, if you think about an Indian sort of, um, uh, adept who is, um, capable of getting into like a, uh, a suspended animated state, you know, you can barely detect their, their pulse, their, their, uh, breathing, you know, and, that that's a really ecstatic state. And then you get uh, to the opposite end of that. We can go all the way through Delta where you have the sleep related frequencies, rejuvenation frequencies for deep meditation. We can go up to Theta where you have like, uh, you know, the powerful aha moments, hypnagogmia, uh, psychic sort of phenomena. Um, uh, things like paranormal experiences can be easily accessed in that state. Uh, there's so much going on there, like the alpha theta border. We go into alpha where they do remote viewing, you know, uh, focused, relaxed states. Beta, which is our normal sort of operating consciousness. We go into sort of gamma. Uh, gamma is very powerful for cognitive stimulation. So if we want to, if we had somebody come to the spa and they use the light for like uh, every day for two months uh, on one of our 40 hertz gamma frequencies, it'll literally restructure their brain. 
um, they'll their memory will improve, their creativity will will go off the charts, um, increase their brain processing speed by during that sort of time, maybe by 10% minimum, they'll read faster, they'll be less distractible. We can go right up into the hypergamma frequencies, which are like 100 hertz and above. That's like somebody switching on and off a light switch 100 times per second. It wouldn't even register as blinking anymore with the physical eye. At that point, it's so fast. And our normal sort of brainwave waking state is usually around, you know, 16, 18 hertz beta. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a huge difference in operating speed or processing speed of the brain and communication that's going on. And we can go even up and higher to what's called lambda, which is 200 hertz and above. So that Tibet program uses the, the very uh, bottom of the spectrum, the epsilon frequencies, and the very highest frequency recorded um, so far, which is 200 hertz, uh, the lambda frequencies. And what's interesting about those frequencies, when you go down into lambda, very slow, you know, uh, epsilon, sorry, epsilon waves and in, in epsilon frequency, and you get this very fast lambda uh, uh, sort of uh, frequency riding on those epsilon waves. And then when you go all the way to the other end and you have that fast lambda, you get very slow epsilon you know, waves riding, riding there. And it's like this full circle of consciousness. So the Tibet program is really interesting. We get a lot of reports of people saying things like, it felt like I was floating above my body. Um, you know, I just felt more focused than I ever have. I felt energy. It's really quite a unique uh, program. And we like to put it on, put people on that program because it's a unique set of frequencies. The Lambda in particular, most people, 99.9% .9 of people will never experience that frequency. Wow. What about the happy thing? Like how far are you from being able to put that on like an app so that I could put it on my iPhone and use the camera <laughs> to just like flash people yeah, into yeah. a better mood? Oh, geez, indeed. Yeah, we, <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to sort of developing, uh, you know, some more mass market stuff because, you know, this, this um, Pandora Star is really built more for um, retreat centers, float centers, um, but yeah, we want to get some more mass market stuff on the go for people to use, you know, every day. And yeah, that would be amazing really to be able to, you know, sort of walk by and flash a whole crowd of people and just <laughs> change their brainwave state. Yeah. Well, kind of on that same vein, can you do the opposite effect? Could you make people angry or irritable or things well, yeah, like that with like, yeah, indeed. Um, you've got, for example, um, let's just say all technology can be, you know, has a dual use. It can be used for good or bad. The U.S. government, as an example, has um, a their own sort of uh, flickering light device, which is nicknamed the puke ray, and they use it for you know border control. So they basically, if you if you're coming across and they flash this light in your face, whether your eyes are open or not, you're going to drop to the to the ground into the fetal position and just start basically puking your guts up. They use frequencies which are are known to. Uh, to, to cause irritation, uh, you know, to, to cause, you know, people to literally just uh, uh, spasm. It's, it's horrendous. So, yes, unfortunately, it can be used for good or bad. Uh, you know, we exclusively like to use it in good ways, but all technology can be abused. Well, even Cast just the LED lighting, people. right? Even just our LED lighting, or pe people are saying that the frequency those admit isn't healthy for us either. So now we're finding out, you know, moving away from these light bulbs that were caused from heat into all these different lights, lighting, all the artificial lighting in our houses is not necessarily healthy for us either. Yeah, no, well, I was because thinking it's more a bleeding. Like, Sorry, go ahead. I was thinking more like if you're 
bone can be used against you, you know? Like if it could be oh, subtle, right? Like ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Well, I think in a lot of cases, they already are. I mean, the, the refresh rate of, you know, mobile phone screens, uh, laptop screens is not the best frequency. And, you know, it, it's something I think, you know, the more mindful that we are um, of, you know, the electronics we're using, you know, the better. Because, you know, when we're using things like laptops, mobile phones, already we're dealing with man-made EMFs. Uh, electromagnetic fields, and that's completely disrupting the natural pulsed electromagnetic fields of the Earth. You know, you take something, for example, like the Schumann resonance, which is 7.83 hertz. Mm-hmm. This, you know, is a frequency that's generated by lightning strikes, you know, with, you know, on the planet worldwide. And if we don't get that frequency on a regular basis, our immune system starts to suffer. We start to get fatigued. You know, we start to show other signs of of illness. And, you know, even on something like the International Space Station, outside of the Earth's atmosphere, no human resonance. They have to have a human generator on board in order to generate that frequency. So here we are in our big cities and, you know, everywhere we have Wi-Fi signals, et cetera, and we're absorbing all these energies. It's creating a, a positive charge within our body. And in this sense, positive is not good at all. It's literally creating free radical damage. So, you know, if people were to sort of just go outside for maybe 15 minutes, half an hour during their lunch break, if they're at work, take their shoes off, barefoot on the ground, boom, you know, suddenly they're they're bringing a negative charge, you know, because the earth is a grounding force. And it's going to then sort of get rid of all that buildup of positive charge. So there's plenty we can do. We just have to remember to have these countermeasures, which, you know, we didn't used to have in the old days, you know, when our uh, parents and grandparents were growing up. Well, maybe I should start doing that after podcast. Yeah, you should. Oh, yeah, just go stand in, a... in the front yard with my in my bare feet. Yeah, yeah, I can never seem to be able to sleep properly. We're in a, <laughs> just hug a tree. We're in a Faraday cage right now. I do do some ba- in a Faraday foot. cage with an unbelievable amount of electrical signals bouncing around. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> computers, Wi-Fi, screens, LTEs, uh, fucking things, power. Oh my god, dirty electricity. Yeah, it's not good. I do That's barefoot it. running though. I've been doing that on Nose Hill Park. It's pretty cool. There's a couple of paths really? that are soft enough, and you can Atta barefoot boy. run. I went know. to Cuba for seven days. I didn't wear shoes once. Really? This is when I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, what else you got in your in your uh, mind spa? Is there other types of uh, gear you have, or or just we do other types? We of have um, something we developed called um, F Deck, which is our frequency deck. Uh, it basically is uh, um, some staging, some steel staging, which has some very um, uh, sort of strong, sturdy boards on top. Underneath each board, we've attached um, these really large frisbee size uh, transducers. So basically, we we lie people down on the deck. We put um, a signal through through this mixing desk um, deck, and then the signals go through to the transducers, and it vibrates the whole deck and. When we then put the Pandora star hanging suspended above the deck from the ceiling, uh, they've got perfectly synchronized sound, vibration being delivered straight into the body, and then, of course, the light through the closed eyelids down through the visual pathway. It's an insane experience. Oh, my God. Um, you know, people, when they finish with, the, with F deck, they, they usually have to lie there for a good extra five or ten minutes because, you know, they've, they've had such a powerful recalibration of their nervous system of their of their body every cell is vibrating it's pretty pretty amazing i gotta get out there it's almost as if they're levitating uh because of the uh 
you know, the, the, the energy coming off that. So it's pretty cool. No, you're in London, right? Downtown London, oh, right? Yeah, yes. That's too far. Yeah, is this yeah. no one in BC, though? No, no, no. We should. We got to make a trip to the UK. How the we, fuck? We have a lot of listeners. <laughs> we have a lot of listeners in the UK. Actually, we call them the UK posse, and I'm, yeah, we're going to get some of them to come by and see it. This is I, this so is what I want here. Place like, is the UK. Second yeah. biggest market. Yeah, which is strange, but it's so far away that we can't go visit. So what about oh, just like no, we're. What, We're going to be here a while, so. Yeah, we'll get there eventually for sure. We, we'll have to do a UK posse meetup. And like yeah. I, I always well, like to joke do. that the UK is so small that everybody should be able to show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can th- stick three of us, three three of our countries within the uh, the borders of Texas, I believe. So, yeah, pretty tiny. Yeah, so no excuses, UK posse. No, no, everybody can get here. We'll just pick the geological center of the island, and that's the meetup. And then we'll the next day we'll come and do the light. Uh, I actually I like the sounds of the the uh, holodeck, the the F deck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what? It's a, pretty cool. What about uh, musical instruments? Just even ancient ones like you know didgeridoos or crystal bowls or drumming. I mean, I've had some pretty crazy emotional experiences with uh, with some of those. Yeah, indeed, we have um, we have a gong chamber which is actually made out of gongs. We have ten gongs ranging ranging in size from like you know uh, a foot a foot across all the way up to about um, five feet across and uh we basically we we've built this pyramid chamber out of um uh sort of uh sheet metal base which is copper very high gauge they weigh about you know 30 kilos per per sort of uh, square meter and then we've got the actual sides of the pyramid built up we basically put somebody underneath the pyramid lying down on this really cool uh, uh, bed that we've built, surround them with the gongs. Uh, that pyramid gong chamber is um, um, grounded to the earth out in the back of our uh, you know, spa out in the garden. And when they're underneath that and we're playing the gongs, the, the sound of the gongs goes um, through the, uh, via the Vedic nerve in the ear. And it can influence brain waves, brain rhythms, the heart rate, the respiratory system. Uh, it's really quite something else. Uh, we have a, uh, some crystal didgeridoos, um, some Native American drums, crystal bowls. By the time we finish with people at this spa, I mean, they come in. It's it's almost as if they're entering another dimension of reality. That's That's the impression people get. The mouth drops straight open as soon as they walk in when they see this big pyramid with the gongs around it. And then this deck with these hanging flashing lights, it's, it's pretty impressive. And we have virtual reality on top of all of that. <laughs> nice. VR. Yeah. We so, tried that too. Which, which what one did you do make you have? Uh, well, we, we have, go ahead. We tried it pretty the, early. Like we yeah, had what the first Oculus dev two Oculus dev two, I think it was or something. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't have like a super computer or anything like that either. So it was a little like glitchy and stuff, but it was pretty fun. We had, but it was kind of like, uh, I don't know. We did it a couple of times and then sort of lost interest. There was nothing really like we weren't able to play any games or really get riveted, you know? Well, since then I've played on the Vive. My sister's uh, works for a VR developer um, who's made uh, a couple or an an adventure game called the, um, oh, now I'm going to gap out here and forget. It's the gallery. The What's it called now? The gallery is Cloudhead Cloudhead Games. Yeah. Six Elements? um, Is that what it was? Yeah, and you can walk around in this. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing experience. So that's taking it up a level to what we tried here, Darren, for sure. So how do you guys incorporate VR into yours? 
Well, we've um, got some uh, lucid dreaming apps, which we're currently working on because we want to be able to, um, you know, sort of demonstrate um, how the, the brain can be and the mind can be so easily tricked. And uh, we have one program at the moment called a, a pit demo, where basically it's a pit, which is about uh, what would seem maybe 30, 30 feet deep. And you put on this mask and you're completely um, immersed in this this room. And there's this plank, maybe about um, 12 inches wide, going from one side of the pit to the other side of the pit. And a lot of people won't even walk across the plank. It's that realistic. And, you know, it really goes to show um, how fragile, you know, sort of our awareness of reality really is. And I think this is the thing that really excites me the most. One of the reasons why I teach lucid dreaming to me, I think, uh, lucid dreaming and uh, false awakenings in particular, which is something that usually precedes a lucid dream, mm -hmm. um, you know, to me is evidence that reality itself, you know, is perhaps virtual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the, the virtual reality is, is one of those things where we really want to get people interested in, you know, taking these inner journeys and starting with something like, you know, deep meditation and then advancing into lucid dreaming. Because, you know, lucid dreaming in itself really can open people up like a cosmic can opener. I think when they start having, you know, like a shared lucid dream with uh, with a friend and you both report back the same experience, you know, this could be evidence that consciousness is non-local. I think when people start having high fidelity experiences where they're in their uh, a sort of a dream reality, which is um, a representation of their house and there's physicality, you know, um, this is one of the things that I think really throws people the most. They get into these lucid environments within a dream, uh, a lucid when they get enter lucid when they become lucid in the dream, and depending on the level of conscious awareness they have, it can take on literally solidity, and that solidness of the dream can really frighten people. They can literally knock on a door, they can drink you know some uh, water, and everything will seem realistic. And then, then when they wake back up into their phys you know their their waking life it throws them a little bit, especially if at that point they, they come out of a lucid dream and they wake up in bed, they get up and they're like, well, that was pretty cool. Maybe they journal it. Then they get up and they walk to the bathroom and on the way there, they might you know, sort of notice something like a glitch in the matrix and they see there's carpet where there should be tiled floor. They're like, oh my God, am I still dreaming? And then they wake up in their bed for the second time, yeah. you know, and it really, it really makes people think. And this is, this is what I think the power of virtual reality can do as well. You know, it can really demonstrate, you know, these, these ideas that I think, you know, new science, new physics is really starting to, to come to terms with. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's really important. That's one of the most important things. There's too many stories of people do in lucid dreams, either having really critical precognitive events or healing or just, you know, awareness of something in, in reality that's actually there. Like you said, shared, Maybe, yeah. shared dreaming. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So that's something that could really bring this to the forefront. What oh, absolutely. Say, what were you going to say, Darren? I don't know. Um, the other thing I was thinking about the VR is, is you can, we could even start incorporating biofeedback and stuff, right? Like getting your, um, you know, your heart, uh, your heart rate down or your, you know, your blood pressure or some, some signals that, that prove you're relaxing. And then you can almost, um, force people into that altered state through physically, um, demonstrating, you know, relaxation or, or that type of thing. Like you know, there's all these biohacking devices now, like the, the Fitbit. Then all these things that measure things, you know, you could link that towards um, VR experiences. 
Oh, for sure. I think it's really important too. And I think when you can, it's kind of like when people come here and they use the light machine, you know, we're, we're going to be, we, we currently are working with a few hospitals here in the UK where they're, they're doing the EEG correlation where they can see the, the uh, brain wave, you know, is equal the, uh, to the actual uh, uh, frequencies that we're using on the light. And I think to be able to show this to somebody, to be able to show them a before and after blood lab analysis to where, you know, biomarkers are appearing such as human growth hormone, yeah. you know, an, an anti-aging chemical. I think it's really important for people to be able to see the actual effects that this stuff is having, not just on our physical bodies and our health, but consciousness, where I think really all of this stems from. Yeah, that's great. That's well said. Oh, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I, I didn't even really realize we were going to get into this part of your, your work in this chat. I mean, I was sort of focused on your website and, and um, some of the other training you've done, but um, it's good to hear that, um, that you're working on this stuff. So is this something that you can, you can franchise out eventually? Are you looking at, because uh, yeah. <laughs> if you need a spot in Canada, like, we'll, we'll, uh... Well, we currently have about 300 um, uh, uh, owners worldwide who have the lamp, and I'd say a good uh, sort of 60 percent of them are are you know exploring this in a in a personal way, uh, and then we have that other 40 percent that are using it commercially, like float tank centers, uh, retreat centers, uh, Reiki practitioners, so you know spiritual practitioners. We even have psychologists using the light. Um, you know, we've made this thing to be, you know, sort of uh, research quality. We've got a few hospitals that are testing the light. So there's a lot of potential. And, and really because we can run four frequencies simultaneously. So as an example, a lucid dream is a cocktail of three frequencies, three brainwave frequencies. One of those, two of those of are um, theta and uh, gamma. And you have to have like that coupling of the theta and gamma uh, plus, you know, uh, sometimes either a delta or an alpha wave, and you then get that hybrid state of REM, uh, which becomes a lucid dream, you know, being aware that you're dreaming uh, while you're still dreaming, which is really cool. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're really sort of at the bleeding edge of this stuff. You know, we we like to, you know, test things out, read as much as we can, be intuitive about stuff, push the boundaries, see where it takes us. And you know, I, I, and I think, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we're certainly interested in getting this out there to the masses in any way that we can. Um, and certainly franchising will be a part of that. As soon as we've really got ourselves, um, you know, a really great, uh, stable, you know, sort of like the spa right now we're testing in London is a, it is sort of a, a test for what's to come. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess people will end up doing their own thing. They'll be copying your, your technique in a way. I don't mean it in a bad way, but, you know, using your, you know, ideas and technology like the pyramids and the gongs and stuff like that. I mean, it's stuff that people can put together anyways in their own retreat center. I just, I just love the the fact that you're throwing all this together. So people can go in there for all different kinds of experiences. Oh yeah. And we're, we love people to look at what we're doing and sort of tweak it uh, and do their own thing. I mean, even, even when we go down the road of, you know, something like a franchise, we want each franchise to sort of have at the base of that, you know, these technologies, but them using the technologies in their own unique ways, you know, whether that be, you know, something holistic or whether it's something more mainstream, you know, we don't want to sort of, you know, put the control in there on what people can, what can people can do with it. As long as they're using this in a very responsible, compassionate, loving way, uh, you know, with an open mind, we're happy. Yeah. 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 Remind me, I want to, I want to, pick your brain about uh, franchising something else you're doing too. 
it's not it's oh, we, we never bring it up on the show but but when it comes time to, to talking about that video you did i was thinking man those little tools that you use could be sold you know and not and not in a consumeristic way but just in a way to help people do what you're trained you know that what you're doing with these groups of people in london oh absolutely i mean th- you know this is the synchronicity walk which you're re- referring to yeah we you might know, as well get something... into that it's pretty cool cool so all right, so this is basically what we do. I mean, I go, I, I print off a little flyer. I start hanging them up in, you know, sort of bookshops, alternative cafes. You know, sometimes I just sort of leave them on seats of trains <laughs> and walk away from it. And really? it's just got like a time, it's got a date, it's got a location. And it usually says something along the lines of take a spontaneous walk across London with your intuition as your guide. You know, be open to having your path nudged at just the right moments to experience powerful synchronicities. And what's curious, people show up, you know, people I don't even know, you know, 30, 40 people on a night. And I usually do this during a weeknight after work because that's when people are really in need of, 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 you know, a recalibration of their nervous system, of their thoughts, of their feelings. So that's when I do it. So people show up and they typically ask, you know, the same thing, you know, what's the plan? And the th- first thing I do is I uh, sort of say that there is no plan. Um, you know, we have we have these dice and we roll the dice and the dice decides which direction we go. So we're literally ro- letting go of all control, uh, giving the control over to the dice. Uh, we choose like a group number at the very beginning. We roll the dice to get, you know, one number. And then we sort of follow that that number intuitively throughout the night. Um you know, which which works, you know, exceedingly well. So, you know, if, if the number comes up uh, organically, uh, then we follow it. You know, if it has meaning, then we follow it. Say, for example, if we roll the number four and the moment we roll that, the number four bus starts to pass. Uh, we either follow the bus immediately or if the bus stops at the bus stop, we all pile onto the bus and just, you know, then roll the dice again. And if it's like a five, then we'll go five stops, five bus stops before we get off again. And the idea is to, to literally relinquish all control so we can get deep down the rabbit hole of synchronicity where we can start to experience realities within realities. And that's when it really starts getting interesting. Yeah. Because, for example, if we roll the dice and suddenly we're on a bus, you know, first people are, might be a little bit nervous. The fear mind gets activated and they might think things like, oh, my God, I have no idea where this bus is going to go. This could go anywhere. Uh, I, you know, I hope we don't roll a nine. You know, I hope it's a low number. And it, at the at the beginning, it can be like this because you know we're we're so used to controlling every aspect of our lives, uh, especially you know areas where you know we don't. I think to some degree we don't like to feel out of control. We don't like to you know to sort of feel helpless. So we we're very controlling. But I find through being controlling, we we miss a lot of opportunities in life. We we sort of have our preferences. We have our assumptions, etc. And all of that can sort of keep us in the box, keep us within our comfort zones. And these walks really do uh, sort of open things up. And people are sort of fearful in the beginning, but they get more relaxed once these back-to-back, big back-to-back synchronicities start to occur. (laughs) And, you know, like on one occasion, we did roll a number four and, uh, you know, a number four bus literally just came around a corner. (laughs) And I said, and I said, okay, look, let's get on the bus. Uh, As we got on the bus, it started to rain and we were dry and that was perfect. And that was one synchronicity in itself. And I said to people, you know, think about this. There's like a trickster side to synchronicity. When we're taking ourselves too seriously, 
you know, it reminds us to laugh. It reminds us to let go a little bit. So if we would have been fearful about getting on the bus and we let the bus go by, we'd have then got wet. So because we trusted our instincts, we got on the bus, we then rolled the dice, we did get a number nine, so we went nine stops. I kid you not, when we started to get off the bus, it stopped raining, so it was, again, perfectly timed. And as soon as we get off this bus, there's a sign right there plastered on the wall that read, wait here for further instructions. <laughs> it, it was, I mean, it was like it was scripted, and people were literally, their jaws were just wide open, and they just, you know, they're by that stage, they have to let go of the doubt. And the doubt is usually what spins us out and what keeps us in you know, that comfort zone. But the doubt, you, by that time, when things like that happen, you have to start letting it go. You, know, you have to start sort of getting into that deep place of trust you know, that we can sort of stay in this, this, this flow state because that's ultimately what, what's, what's happening when we're on these walks. You know, it's, synchronicity is a component of everything that we experience in life, which in life, which becomes, you know, really noticeable when we're in this state of consciousness known as the flow state. And when we're, you know, when we enter a flow state during a synchronicity walk and we trust we can remain in that flow for like an indefinite period, we'll experience these back-to-back synchronicities, like a cascade of synchronistic events, which will then lead us into like a really deep rabbit hole. Um, you know, and I like to see that as like an elevated state of spirituality where then anything can happen. Yeah, it's and you got to stay in the moment the whole time, right? So you have all these people that are focused on the moment. They're not thinking about, uh, you know, what's going on at home, or they're not this and that. Like to in order to intuitively catch all this stuff, you have to be present the whole time. You do, and you've just nailed it. It's that presence which makes such a difference in our lives. You know, it's that's the recalibration that's taking place. And I think you know when people are being really present with themselves, really present with their lives the quality of their existence improves drastically because, you know, then they're not, we're not projecting so easily. We're not projecting our stuff onto other people. We're not compressing feelings into our body. You know, we're really sort of, you know, allowing ourselves to to pay attention. And I think when we're paying attention, we start to see that, you know, all of reality is communicating with us. You know, the video you watched, for example, I don't know if you got to the teaser trailer for part two, which is only three minutes long. There was a bit there that demonstrated how quickly we got into a flow state. My partner, Sky, was walking a little bit further ahead. Um, we just rolled the dice that, that say, uh, there's one of the facets of the dice that says, follow the white rabbit. And a white rabbit is basically a stranger. Um, so if you can imagine in London, we've got 8 million people living here and we roll these dice and suddenly the follow the white rabbit um, die comes up. The other die uh, will be a regular you know, six-sided number dice. And if it sort of rolled at the same time in number three, then we would basically follow the white rabbit for three minutes. And the idea is that we would pick somebody that really looks like they have purpose, somebody that really stands out. And then we would follow them for that bit of time. We do our best to be respectful and not sort of crowd people. We, we, you know, we don't <laughs> Make a scene. want them to exactly. We don't want to be seen as stalkers. There he is. Um, <laughs> exactly. So on this particular occasion, uh, the, the person we chose went down into a subway and we had to follow them. You know, this is being true to, you know, to, to letting go and going with the flow. And, and then um, as I've got this body mic on in the body camera, and we've already experienced some interesting synchronicities with numbers like three, six, and nine in particular. Yeah. Um, I, I said, um, there's my partner, Sky, and she was, like I said, about 10 paces ahead of me. And the moment I said Sky, there was this electronic advertisement uh, sign that changed from the previous advert 
to a new advert, which is an advertisement for um, the uh, TV network Sky. And then the word Sky just flashed up. Literally, the moment I stopped saying Sky, <laughs> it flashed up. It was so perfectly synchronized. And it's just like things like that that I think are constantly going on around us. And I do think that the universe at large, you know, is, you know, usually communicating with us. It's just whether or not we can see it. It's almost like that signal to noise ratio. Um, you know, if there's so many things going on, like we've got our five physical senses evidencing all of reality. And I think a lot of times, you know, that gets in the way of experiencing, you know, something that is, you know, something that is uh, sort of, um, that can't be evidenced by the five senses, you know, something like these synchronicities, you know, which in a sense, you know, these are, you know, we're dealing with, you know, uh, experiences, we're dealing with phenomena, which is beyond cause and effect as we can be aware of it. You know, that's a true synchronicity. It's a, it's an a-causal phenomena that's not bound by time or space. And it's very personal to the individual. Yeah, we talk about them all the time here. We have listeners always sending in their, their synchronicities and, and Darren's got the, uh, the third uh, third party Canadian rating system on the go, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. It is something. There's something going on. There's some sort of uh, you know hidden 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 thing there for sure. So do you do you have any like how did you get into all this synchronicity and how did you have anything? Because a lot of our guests, you know, believe it or not, seem to be uh, on their path from sort of synchronistic moment or something that's sort of beyond coincidence. Well, for me, I mean, I grew up in the U.S. I grew up in Florida, which you probably know is an old Spanish colony. And um, I started I had a near death experience when I was five years old. And I think this is where it all started for me. Um, you know, it was a very classic near death experience, you know, bright white light. Um, I had um, this this individual came up to me that felt really familiar. It was like my IQ went from that of a, like a child's consciousness to, you know, like an adult consciousness. Like I, the, the way I'm articulating myself now it's almost like I had that sort of clarity of mind as a five-year-old uh, during this experience. And remember, then uh, you know, minutes later, I guess being pulled out of this um, uh, this pond that uh, I'd fallen into uh, by one of my brothers. And it, my sixth birthday was, I think, only a month or so after that. And soon after my birthday, I started having lucid dreams at age six, followed by you know uh, out-of-body experiences. And again, I, I didn't really know how to articulate, you know, those those are labels I use now as an adult. Mm -hmm. But I knew then that there was a difference between those two phenomena. You know, the lucid dreams, I, I, I knew it was a dream. I could change things um, if I was in you know, a representation of my bedroom. It would never be just like my bedroom. There would always be some sort of glitches. Um, and then this other type of experience started taking place, which I would now label an out of body experience where in these experiences, I was always sort of woken up from sleep. I would be in something like sleep, waking sleep paralysis where I couldn't move my body. And then I'd feel like butterfly sensation in my stomach. Then suddenly I'd be standing in the middle of the bedroom, you know, and the bedroom was exactly as I would expect it to be. No glitches, no, you know, no sort of um, aberrations. And that signaled to me over, you know, the course of months of having the two type of experiences that there was a difference something interesting was going on. And I think, like I said, even as a six-year-old, when I had these moments of clarity during these experiences, it was like my IQ was elevated by, you know, 100, 200 points. It was really quite fascinating. So my journey with synchronicity and stuff started at quite a young age. Wow. What do you think that is about the, are you just connected to something grander, like the one consciousness or connected to the 
to the uh, what's that other word that people use the library, like the Akashic Records, or, or is it, or is it just more individual? Do you think? Um, you mean with regards to synchronicity? No, more like the your your feeling of uh, enhanced intelligence or that just connected right. to that. You know that. Type yeah, of I think intelligence enhancing light for the igloo. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> we could keep so, up with our guests. <laughs> So, for example, with regards to, you know, that that sort of moment of clarity, I find that um, the our nervous system, you know, to me, this is the psychic antenna to what we refer to as, you know, the all that is or the zero point field, the Kasich records. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think if whatever we sort of entertain ourselves with in our waking lives is literally in training the nervous system. So if we're entertaining ourselves with gossip, if we're entertaining ourselves with some really low quality sort of, you know, uh, at the watering hole, at the watering cooler at work, and we're just sort of backstabbing and we're, we're talking about people, we're shaming and blaming people and judging people, that to me is literally in training uh, your brain. It's in training your nervous system. And it's, it's literally, you know, sort of shutting you off from these deeper states and I think when we get to this, um, you know, get to this sort of mindset where we realize, you know, there's we're literally coexisting. There's two two parallel realities coexisting here on Earth. One is a reality of fear. One is a reality of love. And I think we're constantly throughout our day navigating between these two realities. And I think, you know, one of the best ways to really navigate those realities is to remember, uh, you know, if it's your direct experience. And I have to be careful here because. I don't want to judge other people's, you know, life experiences based on mine. I know that, you know, we're all different. We come at this from different, you know, perspectives and I want to respect that. So I'm talking from my perspective here. Yep. So from my, from my perspective, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of tuning in we have the opportunity here with, um, you know, recalibrating the nervous system to be able to tune into these deeper states of who and what we really are from, from what I think. And from my personal experiences, I mean, I've been having out-of-body experiences since a young age. I'm 47 years old now. And, you know, to me, it's, I've got a lot of evidence that, you know, we really are tapping into, you know, deeper states, you know, these super states of consciousness. Um, personally, I believe all minds are joined. You know, I don't think that uh, we can consider ourselves, you know, like an island. Mm-hmm. I think on a deeper level of consciousness you know, literally all minds are joined. And I think this is something to really keep in mind in every area of our life, because, you know, if we're, as an example, keeping other people on the hook, we're not letting them off the hook, you know, with something that they've done. We're kind of like the jailer at a prison. We can't go home. We have to guard the prisoner. So it's the same thing with consciousness. If we're keeping other people on the hook, we, we can't get off the hook either. So I think it's looking at this stuff and ultimately this is what these explorations are, are showing me. You know, it's helping me wake up more in, in our grounded reality, which is physical, uh, the physical universe. I find that, you know, when we're, we're really being present here, you know, then we obviously have more opportunity to be present in other areas, such in altered states, lucid dreams, out-of-body experiences, through remote viewing, channeling. And I think the more present we become, the more information is flowing through naturally through that um, psychic antenna, which is the nervous system. So if you're tuning your ner- your nervous system every single day to things such as uh, doing breath work, you're clearing energy, you're meditating, you're doing forgiveness work, you know, all of this stuff, which is coming from, a, you know, with love at the bottom line, 
it starts to really change, you know, your life. And it really starts to, you start having a better relationship with reality. And, you know, you're clearing space to where you can start to see that other people, you know, um, who are having reactions, you know, such as, you know, some of the stuff we see in the news, you know, the controlling stuff, you know, we, we mentioned when we first got online, we were talking just very briefly, you know, about political stuff. But I think, you know, when our minds are very clear around, you know, who and what, who we are as individuals, we can then start to look into the world and we can start to see, you know, where the darkness is and we can start to make changes because ultimately we realize if my, all minds are joined, and again, my philosophy, that I think that's how we start to change our world. You know, we, we, we change ourselves and then the world starts to change around us. Uh, and I think, you know, this is one of the important distinctions when we're dealing with, you know, spiritual, you know, spiritual sort of awakenings, you know, understanding that, you know, this is going from the realm of something, um, you know, personal to now taking part and making a contribution, you know, to this bigger picture. Yeah. And taking control of your own destiny in a way, right. Instead of being trapped in resentment or, or, you know, not, not, not forgiving someone you're talking about being present here and, and not getting into those states. Cause it really is just a trap for yourself, right? You're, you're only hurting Absolutely. yourself if you're pissed off at somebody else and you're holding a grudge. Absolutely. I think you're, you're right on the money there. I think, you know, you know, ultimately if you're judging somebody, if you're blaming somebody, if you're shaming somebody, it's an attack on you as much as other people. Yeah. Yeah. I was just at a workshop on the weekend kind of an inventory workshop about, um, you know, your heart center and forgiveness and meditation and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, it's very similar to that, you know, let, let, letting go of all that stuff. And, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, when, when you really do understand how much that, you know, this stuff hurts you as much as others, you know, because all minds are joined, you know, it really starts to accelerate your journey. You know, you, you then start to sort of take responsibility. You know, you want to learn about other people's love language as an example. This is something I learned in the last few years. You know, we don't all sort of communicate in the same ways with regards to, you know, feeling loved. For example, you know, for a lot of men, our love language is like words of affirmation and, and touch. Um, you know, when, when somebody gives us words of affirmations, like, for example, our, our fathers, you know, for a lot of us, you know, men, you know, when we were boys, you know, our, our feelings were always picked on, you know, if we fell over while playing football, it was just like, ah, oh, don't be a crybaby, get back up, you know, so we were taught to sort of really, um, you know, sort of repress those feelings because our, our feelings are called names from an early age. And I think when we, we start to advance as adults, you know, to me, a sign of a spiritual adult is really understanding generosity for one is a, is a true sign of a spiritual adult where, you know, we give, we understand other people, we understand, you know, how they feel loved. For women, one of the dominant love languages is quality time. You know, a woman wants your presence. Anthony Robbins, you know, would typically say in one of his seminars, when does a woman want your attention? All the time. You know, that's that's one of their love languages. They want to have that presence. They want your full attention. They want to feel that you're listening, you know, that you have empathy. And, you know, that's very powerful when we can form these deep connections with people Instead of talking, you know, when they're talking and we're on our mobile phones and we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, but, you know, ultimately we're only giving 10% of, of our attention. I think people can feel that, you know, if all minds are joined on a deeper level, there's you're not kidding them at, at all. It's in your body language. Most of the communication is nonverbal. They can see you not paying attention. They can see your attention is elsewhere. And that makes people not trust you. And I think when we're when we're understanding that people receive love and feel love in different ways, 
and not just in the way that we feel and receive love. That makes a profound difference. And I think, you know, all of this comes from us being being more present and being able to pay attention. It's like we become an everyday psychologist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend and I did that work with the five love languages and um, luckily, luckily enough, our top three love languages were the same. So it's, it's a Brilliant. pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty easy to work through when we're already sort of communicating at that level, you know? <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. Darren's rolling his eyes here. <laughs> come on, didn't, were you going to do that too, Darren? Did, I did do it. Oh, did you? How'd that, how'd that turn out? Good. It was a good, good eye-opening experience. Yeah. I just, what was, do you I remember what your love fluff. language is? <laughs> It's not fluff. It's we're all lined up. No, it's true. <laughs> what, what was your language? Do you remember? Touch. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course, that's the typical male one, right? Yeah. It is a very typical male one. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think you know it's that that's the kind of stuff that you know everything that I teach. Um, like for example, um, this week last weekend I was teaching um, a weekend workshop on astral projection, and. People show up for astral projection and they go home with something totally different because <laughs> I can't just talk about astral projection, you know, where people are getting excited about going to other worlds. But ultimately, they want to go to another dimension of reality and, and they haven't dealt with their their own you know stuff yet. And they want to take their stuff to somebody else's backyard, you know, in another dimension of reality. So, you know, I'm basically there uh, throughout the weekend, you know, discussing these, you know, these deep ideas about you know, consciousness and, you know, yeah, I want people to be excited about being able to visit, you know, other worlds and get their own validation that there's a part of them that, you know, survives death and precedes birth. I think that's important. You know, it's a, it's a conversation we just don't have very often in society because we seem to have this, this fear of death and it's a big taboo. And, you know, this is, this is an area to where, you know, if we can start to uh, have a direct experience of something where we can get validation that our loved ones survive, you know, consciousness is, you know, sort of uh, survives death. It's non-local. Uh, maybe go and visit some of these afterlife communities before we die. Maybe choose choose a cool location that we're going to transition to at death. You know, that stuff makes sense to me. But again, we need to sort out our stuff here. Um, and and this is, you know, people are halfway through these workshops. They're just like, wow, this is this is you know, more than I thought it was. I thought I was literally just going to come here and learn some techniques and I'd be off, you know, into the multidimensional expanse. But I think it's really important to sort of get to a point where we're living our lives in a very lucid manner. You know, it's almost like the extension of a dream. Uh, if a dream is, um, you know, is consciousness and it's everything in the dream is us, you know, it's stemming from our subconscious uh, and maybe the superconscious then ultimately, if we can view all of reality, waking reality, as an extension of the dream, the more lucid we become in the dream, then, you know, I, I kind of think that the less lucid we are, the more after we're going to have the fear mind activated. The more lucid we are, you know, we're activating the higher reasoning centers within the brain, which basically means we're tuning in the, the nervous system to the deeper states of consciousness beyond physical reality. And we're, we're navigating reality in a much more conscious way. Wow. Wow, that's pretty deep. That's yeah. We got to send someone from the UK, possibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got to do a field <laughs> field trip. I love field trip. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's just fascinating because we've had Gainer will go. Yeah, we'll, we'll strap we'll, a camera on him and send yeah, him in. Yeah, that'd be great. Because <laughs> we're promising a good time. 
I mean, you're, you're very articulate about this and, and it's, we've had these guests on before that have had OBEs and NDEs and, and the, the, a lot of times it comes with this artic, this great articulation or this seemingly, you know, knowable, you guys have this knowledge of, I don't know, like the esoteric and all this stuff. And it seems like it's coming from a download or it's coming from some higher, higher realm. I mean, what is your, what is your, like, you must wonder about how this is all set up. Like, is there, and I don't know, I don't really have a specific question here. I'm just sort of fascinated by the guests we've had on that have had your similar experiences to you. And they really come back with this, you know, expanded knowledge. So when you talk about minds being connected and, well, how do you, how do you picture that being like, is it through a field of a field, like the, you know, the Lynn McTaggart field, or is it through, you know, like morphic resonance, like Sheldrake, or do you have any ideas about how the whole thing is set up? Well, I see the, the nature of the multidimensional universe. I think about it in terms of radio, TV, mobile phone signals, you know, all of, all of them are being transmitted simultaneously within the same geography. Uh, yet we tune into a specific radio station, television program, make a phone call. We don't hear the jumble of all the various transmissions at the same time because the sources of the signals, the radio stations, TV networks, telecoms providers, they've all agreed to use different frequencies. Mm-hmm. You know, as such, um, though all the signals are jumbled together in the same space and time domain, they're distinct within a frequency domain. And this is how I see the multidimensional universe operating, too, in exactly that same way. So, you know, the multidimensional universe is like a frequency domain with various space-time domains operating at different frequencies. And I'll just sort of, I'll, I'll say that in other words. So let's say, for example, we have the physical world. Um, let's think about um, paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. To me, all paranormal activity is emanating from this mirror dimension, which is the, the next frequency frequency domain, um, you know, the next frequency outside, you know, the, the earth uh, frequency, if you like. So we have physical earth, uh, and then we have the near earth frequency. So if you were to have a near death experience or to actually transition, you know, through death um, or an out of body experience to this other side where we have what we call this ghost effect, ultimately a ghost is a non physical is a human who is now deceased from the physical world but is now residing in the next energy domain. Mm -hmm. And in that space, you have the physical earth, which is like a backdrop, almost as if you're watching a play uh, in the West End or on Broadway. And, you know, the the backdrop, the scenery, you know, is like our, our, their, their backdrop is physical earth. And so they're looking back into the world that they knew, but they don't know about the worlds beyond that because they're fixed state, they're totally fixated on physical reality and they kind of get stuck. So this all this paranormal activity is emanating from that next, um, you know, sort of dimension of reality, which perfectly overlays physical reality. So you take, for example, physical Earth and this next dimension. They're not separated by space. They're separated by frequency. Uh So if you were to suddenly have like a um, some like a psychic, some psychic vision, like um, clairvoyance Mm -hmm. or suddenly tune in and you see this other reality overlaying physical reality, um, both of them are basically occupying the same space. But like a TV or radio signal, they're they're, you know, distinct within that frequency domain. So you then sort of go deeper on other frequencies into this multidimensional reality to where we then have what we call the astral planes proper. So the astral planes is just a term, you know, some yeah. people out there might get hung up on it. 
you know, it's an old theolo- 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 you know, old term from the you know turn of the 20th century. And ultimately, I don't really care about the label side of it too much. It's, you know, you can use whatever metaphors you want, because ultimately that's all we're doing. We're using metaphors to relate to reality. And everybody has their own metaphors. Some of us take our metaphors too seriously. You know, sometimes, you know, other people's like in religion, you know, there's a thousand and one belief systems. And I think the same can go for spirituality, too. So this is why I think it's so important for us to have these direct experiences, because while I'm relaying my direct experiences, ultimately this stuff is subjective. If I teach 10 people to get out of body and all 10 people go out and have an out-of-body experience, although they will enter these other dimensions in reality, they're going to come back with different stories. They're going to come back with different experiences. And this is what I find really exciting because even sort of quantum physics is looking at our universe and they don't see it as being an objective universe. You know, they they actually, I think, have enough um, sort of circumstantial evidence now that reality is sort of virtual. Um, you know, the the objective reality model just doesn't stack up anymore, you know, under those sort of uh, ideas. And, you know, so as an out-of-body explorer, when I'm pushing into these other dimensions of reality, yes, I'm running into future versions of me. I'm running into timelines from the past, parallel worlds where there's another, you know, Todd existing with his life slightly tweaked from mine and you know and then we're having all this other stuff in between like lucid dreams and false awakenings where you know it's all these probable worlds going on and it it can really yeah it's mind expanding stuff wow that's fascinating so i do like the metaphors they're they're they do work for me you really the way you describe it does put it into perspective for me and it did remind me of you know i hate to keep relating it to something else but like Nassim Harriman's work of, um, you know, like the the fractal resonance and that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. So what about, so you're saying that uh, you go deeper on these other frequencies, like the pl- astral planes proper. And then is there, is there, I mean, is there even more of a sort of a le- level to that? Or is that, would you say like proper being the, the base of, uh, of that? No, no, this is like that old, that expression, it's turtles all the way down. You know, you're you're literally dealing with uh, realities within realities within realities. Like in the film Inception, they talk about dreams within dreams. Yeah. And it's curious where they have that that time artifact where, you know, uh, five minutes on one level is equal to an hour in physical reality. And then you go deeper into this. It's really curious because when you're when I'm having these out of body experiences, you know, these deep adventures into what I would refer to as the astral you're dealing with a completely different, you know, time zone, a different time domain. It might still be overlaying, um, you know, the same space as the physical earth, but you're dealing with a different sort of time effect altogether. And I don't, I don't see from my experiences that the astral is the uh, ultimate reality. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, like for example, um, I don't really want to get into religious stuff. I'm, you know, I was raised as, uh, you know, religious with Baptist faith in, in Florida, but, you know, none of that ever sat well with me as a child. Um, you know, I, I like being very spiritual about this. I like, you know, the metaphysics of all this. Uh, but when I'm in these afterlife environments, if, you know, for a better word, you know, religions would refer to them as heavens or hells. These are to me intermediate realities. These are the realities where we regroup or where, you know, between lives or where we we sort of start to get our feet um, before going into physical reality, incarnating for the first time. Hmm. But ultimately, there are deeper, uh, you know, there's there's deeper dimensions, these deeper dimensions where, you know, even physicality 
Um, like when you're on the astral, you can be in a in a city environment, um, a consensus reality, and have physicality. Because ultimately, to me, we're dealing with virtual realities all the way down. We're dealing with virtualities where ultimately all these virtual realities exist within the one true reality of consciousness. And to me, consciousness is this formless, intelligent substance. You know, the the physicality is it's almost like a rule set where, you know, you're you've got this um, like a, a physics for a place. But ultimately, those physics can be taken place in the mind. And what I find really interesting is that um, quantum physics can actually sort of relate through calculations, you know, uh, sort of create physicality through calculations. It's fascinating. And. You know, so I think, yes, there are deeper dimensions uh, and, you know, there there's, you know, stuff way, way deeper than what we're currently remembering uh, versus even maybe being aware of from maybe never experiencing. But I do think there is quite a few um, aspects to where we, we do remember stuff, because if we were something before we came here, then we have the memory of this stuff. It's just whether or not we're in a deep spiritual amnesia. Yeah, yeah. So, so the intermediate reality where we regroup is just one of those, let's say, levels for lack of a better purgatory. That's yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, pur- yeah. purgatory. It's interesting when 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 religion talks about limbo or purgatory. For example, there's a great Robin Williams film. I think it was called "What Dreams May Come." You know, where um, him and his wife, their their children, um, prematurely die in a car accident, and the wife. Uh, she's just devastated. She's, you know, in deep depression and eventually takes her own life. And they have like a Catholic faith within that film. And so, you know, the Catholic faith would say, okay, then this is what happens, you know, with suicides. And she's basically Eternal in this film, she's dead, I think, right. Is that how that, well, works? yeah, she's literally creating her own personal hell in her mind, or, or in this case, you know, the, the sort of the limbo state, um, nothing's forced her in here. No Godhead has like forced her down that road. Ultimately, that's how I see it anyhow. And there, you know, some religious folk might get upset by that, but ultimately these are my beliefs. And I, I don't believe there's this, uh, you know, I do believe that there are creators, uh, there are powerful creator souls. And yes, there probably is a God in the sense of, you know, an energy that's, um, you know, sort of created wielded consciousness and molded it into sort of thought forms and created these realities, uh, but I think it's more like deism, where you basically get this philosophy where this creator, it's creating for the sake of experimentation. And then it you know, gives maybe one particular reality or virtual reality a, a laws to govern that reality, and then basically stands hands off and, and sees, see what unfolds. You know, even like a law of something like cause and effect. You know, what a great way to self-govern a system because, you know, you then get this like for like, uh, you know, effect across reality. So, you know, when we die here, I do think that, you know, our actions, our beliefs, our every thought and feeling really is, you know, the barometer is this like this magnetic pull to the next reality. Nobody's forcing you into any of these realities. And in all of these realities, there's opportunities you know, for clearing this this karma, as people would call it. And, you know, nothing's going to be, in, from my perspective, from what I've personally seen in these environments, there's no, you know, eternal damnation. There's no, you know, sort of afterlife in, in one particular heaven where we stay for eternity. You know, there literally are these, these zones, these territories, these belief system territories, as Robert Monroe, who was an amazing out-of-body explorer, um, would term it, where people are literally you know, recuperating or where people are 
making amends for for past deeds, uh, but not through these typical black and white religious ideas. I think that's very damaging, you know, to to sort of, uh, you know, suggest to people that, you know, this is reality or even the idea of something like, um, um, you know, even the way science, you know, might sort of look at reality. I think it's just too controlling. You know, you have these twin narratives from science and religion. I think we really do need people, you know, sort of pushing through, having their own direct experiences and seeing where it takes them, you know, letting curiosity lead the way. Let that sort of, you know, that that sense of discovery, having those open minds to explore this stuff for themselves. You know, if at first maybe one out-of-body experience may not prove anything, 10 out-of-body experiences may not prove anything. But, you know, at some point you're going to start building, you're going to start getting validation. You're going to start getting evidence and you might get to a place of personal proof that you will survive death. Yeah. 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 We're all about the direct experience here. So, so how do you get some people to, to do these in, in OBEs? So you're, you're training people, you've gone, you've gone through the, all the spiritual work or not all of it, but some of it to get to at least a place where people are ready how are some of the techniques that you would use to help people leave their body? One of the chief things that I suggest to anybody, um, I mean, regardless of whether you've done that, you know, that inner spiritual work that we talk about, um, you know, I, I've got friends who drink and they smoke, you know, they, they don't have the best sort of lifestyle and they're having spontaneous, you know, experiences, spontaneous lucid dreams, spontaneous out-of-body experiences. But I think ultimately the same with our lives here. We want to increase the quality of these experiences. So what I would teach people is, first and foremost, breath work. So all sort of astral projection techniques from my perspective, from my teachings, are meditation-based. So the base of all the teachings is a meditative sort of base. So from there, I would I would begin by saying, okay, maybe go online or go take a class in uh, pranayama yogic-style breathing you know, where you're doing pure nasal breathing. Uh, maybe you're, you know, in the beginning for the first week, five minutes of this uh, breathing for this very controlled breathing for a day. The next week, you know, it's 10 minutes. The next week after that, you increase it to 20 minutes. By the end of the month, maybe you're up to 30 minutes of this deep breathing where, you know, you're you're sort of uh, breathing. I love it from the, the film, The Matrix, where Morpheus and Neo are in the, uh, the program they're in the matrix and they're in that um, uh, sparring program. Uh, uh, I think it's, um, uh, I can't remember what, uh, what they were doing, but basically Neo gets knocked to the ground by, by Morpheus and more, and then he's heavy breathing. And then Morpheus turns to him and says, are you sure that's air you're breathing? And I think that's really interesting because ultimately when we're doing this breath work, to me, we're not just breathing air. We're taking energy into one. Uh, let's take a Chinese energy practice like Qigong, where they talk about, a lower dantian. Mm-hmm. You're taking energy into this point when you're doing very deep breath work. You're taking an energy to this point, and then the the energy itself, we can call it light, whatever you want to call it, these powerful transformational energies are then clarifying the breath. And this is then creating this powerful effect where it starts to bring balance to our energy system, you know, every cell, every molecule in our body. Um, every pore in our skin is starting to bring in oxygen and it's, you know, sort of being clarified by this energy. Mm. And to me, if you're doing this on a daily basis, you're literally clearing energy, you're building energy and you're, you're starting to create something more because we're not just breathing. 
Um, there's something I've started experimenting here recently. Um, I went out and bought about a thousand dollars worth of ghost hunting gear, not to hunt, not to hunt ghosts, but to hunt myself in the out of body state. So what I've done is there's one meter, which is called um, a REM pod, and it basically generates its own electromagnetic field around the device, about maybe a couple inches around the device. And the theory is, if a ghost, which is a, 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 hu- a non-physical human from our perspective, so they've died, they've got trapped in one of these other levels, if their energy field interacts or breaks into the energy field of this device, then the alarm sounds, these lights go off, it's really quite interesting. So what I've done is I've bought one of these, I set it like on a table, maybe um, 10 feet away from me while I'm doing my out-of-body practice, lying on the sofa, and the idea is I want to roll out of my body, and I want to be able to go over there, and I then want to sort of, you know, sort of uh, wave my arms through the energy field of this device and then set it off while I'm filming this whole episode. So I've got all this different gear so I can start to to see if I can capture evidence of me being in the out-of-body state. And, you know, that's the type of validation, you know, that I think is really needed um, for people um, to be able to, you know, to sort of get beyond you know, the, the sort of the, uh, the states that people are currently in, such as the depression, the anxiety, the stress, where they're feeling the pressure of the world, they're feeling very isolated, very low, very, you know, sad. And I think it's because they're feeling, they're feeling so disconnected. They're not feeling a, a connection with other people, whether they're blocking it or whether it's being blocked. So ultimately, yeah, the breathing practice can really bring about, you know, so much, not just reconnecting you. It's almost like it's creating this, conscious bridge between your physical body and your energy body or all that you are your astral body you know these these it's almost like we have these nested energy forms and you know the physical body you know is is what we're conditioned to it's our you know it's based within our grounded reality and when we have dreams you know we have what i would refer to as the dream body uh, when we're having an astral experience, we're dealing with an astral body. But again, these are just metaphors, and I don't expect people to get too caught up in them. I don't try to get too caught up in them myself. But the breathing practice is a good starting point for doing this stuff. I find that just doing breath work, which is a type of energy work, if you do it for a month, two, three months consistently, maybe build up to between a half an hour and an hour a day, by the time you get to just that place, you're already going to be having spontaneous, you know, sort of lucid dreams coming up more often. Your dreams are going to be more clear, vivid. You might start hearing things where before you just have fragmented uh, visual experiences. You might start uh, tasting stuff while, while in these dream states. And that's basically just showing you that you're tuning your psychic antenna, the, the nervous system, by doing this powerful breath work because we're not just breathing air. Yeah, that's very true. So then, so then people have done a little bit of this work, they come in to see you and then you can use some of those devices or people will already be sort of primed for this experience. If they, if they sort of, yeah, if they prime themselves before they come, a lot of people can have some very, you know, transcendental experiences. Um, the light, you know, will do what it's supposed to do. It's that human component that, you know, is always where the uncertainty is. So if we can get people into more of a, focused state like a laser you know like a lot of people when they start their practice of meditation in the beginning they'll find that their mind will drift a lot Mm -hmm. and this is just showing where their their mental muscles are weak it's like our physical muscles if we go into the gym 
we do, you know, three sets of, you know, 10 reps of, you know, uh, curling, you know, our, our arm curls, we're going to start building muscle, you know, physical muscle. So it's the same with, you know, um, when we're meditating, if our mind is drifting, we have to look at it as if we're going into the mental gym. Every time the mind drifts through introspection, we realize this, we then bring our mind back to our original focus, which in this case might be the breath work. And then that's one rep. If 10 seconds later, our mind is drifted again, again, we become aware of it. We bring it back to the breath. That's two reps. If we've done something like 10 reps by the end of the meditation, we've strengthened those mental muscles. And people you know, with practice can go from having all these distractions of other thoughts to getting to a point where they can have this pure focus like a laser. And then that's where things can get dramatically more interesting. Hmm. Bingo, bango. Yeah, that's amazing. So Maybe what do you should just send Gramble over? Yeah, I think the little fundraiser, <laughs> fundraiser and all gets not too expensive to go to London. We'll just go for we'll go for a long weekend or something. <laughs> no, one day. You guys are more than welcome. You're there, boom, you get in that morning, you spend your day at the spa on the red eye home. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant plan. So what what else um so what do you got going on in the future here? You've got your webs your website there, uh, Spiritual Underground and your synchro walks in this this mind spa is there is there plans for you uh in the near future well we we like to keep things evolving as much as possible so uh, you know we we usually have you know people who regularly visit the spa you know can attest to the the fact that you know we're we're constantly changing things and i think that's important um you know we get into this uh sort of um conditioning from 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 youngsters to where we 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 have like a, a bottom-up learning approach where Maybe like something like a golf, you know, the game of golf. We go, we get a, uh, you know, a coach who coaches us for maybe 50 hours. And during that 50 hours, we get to this place where, you know, we really feel like we know what we're doing. Uh, so we get to that good enough state. And then maybe we just sort of coast. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people say in like self-help courses, they'll say, you know, if you throw 10,000 hours of your time towards something, you're going to master it. That's like a half truth. Because ultimately, let's say the quality of your practice is is quite low, um, then you know after ten thousand hours, you could be quite mediocre at something. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's always about this sort of uh, top down approach, where when you've learned something, like for example, if I teach somebody astral projection, they then go out maybe a week later and they start a course in Reiki. They can use what they learn in Reiki to to make their astral projection practice even better. So all of these modalities start to sort of like bolt on to one another and benefit from, you know, through sort of putting them all together into this and getting this admixture. So, you know, ultimately to me, it's about, you know, for us, it's this constant evolution, it's this constant growth. So at the moment, I don't know where we're, where we're going to go. Um, you know, I, I, I get visions every now and again, and then suddenly it's all changed. I mean, the people that are around me, some of them like to have, um, you know, certainty in their lives. Uh, but I'm a very much a flow state person and, and it can, it can worry people when you basically just sort of turn something upside down when you need structure. Uh, so we, we do sort of, um, lose structure every now and again, and we, we just go off in different directions. So I don't know where the next thing is at the moment, but what we're doing at the moment is we're very excited about, and there's always a sense of flow to it. It might freak out your employees a little bit when your business plan is, <laughs> your business plan is just go for it, go with the flow. <laughs> it does it does work for us and i think it's we do have structure but i think it's a balance like with anything in life 
Uh, I think even with this, if we have too much structure, we're going to suffer a little bit. If we have too much flow state, maybe we suffer a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like like Anthony Robbins would talk about, you know, this, the, the seven human needs. You know, we need certainty. We need to be certain that we can pay our bills. We need to be certain that people that we that love us have got our back during hard times. But we also need that uncertainty. And that uncertainty is that, you know, sort of um, that spice of life we talk about, the variety, you know, good, good uncertainty. Uh, you know, somebody just surprising us with a, a gift card, you know, for for going skydiving or something or, you oh know, meeting God. new people or whatever. It's just like that sort of uncertainty, you know, can really drive people, connect them. And, and, you know, that's powerful. Does that count? There's a little synchro that my girlfriend got me a skydiving gift to give for my, my birthday. Oh, did she? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's much? a good He must have known about 1500? it. Todd must have heard about it. Is it enough for it. school? <laughs> no, it's just like a, a jump. Uh, I, I think like, that's uh, brilliant. Either that or she's trying to kill me off early. Can I go for another skydive? <laughs> just keep jumping. <laughs> just keep jumping. Yeah. Uh, try again. Try again. <laughs> that's another voucher. <laughs> see, see if this afterlife thing really is a, a thing. It'd be good for the show yeah, if you could report back. Yeah, exactly. But if you can't report back, then I'm <laughs> fucked. <laughs> so is, is there anything Is there anything you think we, we left out, um, you know, before we start wrapping it up? I think we've talked about a great deal, actually. Um, and I mean, I, I'm I'm always prepared to sort of just you know go as deep as you like. I mean, when I when I give talks, the my favorite part of a talk is actually the question and answers part because you never know what question is going to come up. And you know, I always I'm always honest with people. If I can't answer the question because I don't have the direct experience, I'll just say. But you know, if I have a direct experience of something, I've usually got something to say on it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, perfect. <laughs> so people are you on social media or anything like that where our listeners can track you down? Absolutely. Uh Facebook is probably the best place to find me. Um I've maxed my typical friends list out. So if people sort of uh press the follow button, uh they can find me just by typing in Todd Akamesis. Akamesis is spelled A C A M E S I S. Uh I put up a a lot of, you know, stuff about what we do at the spa on that on that on that feed. I put up my general thoughts. I put up some of my out-of-body experiences to hopefully inspire people. Um, and, you know, videos such as, you know, the synchronicity walks. Uh, my YouTube channel is a great place. If people go on there and just type in Todd Ak Akamesis, you'll find me there and some of the stuff that I that I uh, videoed. So, uh, yeah, there are plenty of places. So to get on one of your synchro walks, do you have to, like, just bump, bump into one of your flyers on the subway? Or is there any way to actually, like, sign up for it? I guess That's that would kind of... One <laughs> that's uh one way to do it um i'm just <laughs> uh i'm just really quacking, checking something really quickly here uh walk.com seeing if one of my sites is active that uh, i know went offline briefly um we basically have a, a website called synchronicitywalk.com oh. and i do think it is offline temporarily until tomorrow it's where we have a plug-in fix and then it's back online and basically it's helping connect people <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So we're helping connect people around the world uh, to do their own synchronicity walks. We give people the guidance that they need, such as if they want to just use two regular sided dice, which to me, you know, is one of the best ways to do this. So, you know, it's, it's the tools I use most. We use an eight ball sometimes, uh, you know, a magic eight ball uh, to get guidance along the walk as well as, you know, like a, some sort of psychic reading if we want. 
so, you know, they're great. It's just devices, tools to help us sort of let go control to enter these powerful flow states and go down the rabbit hole. Um, but yes, um, if synchronicitywalk.com is not working, then check back within a few days and it will be. Geez, if we used any ball for a synchro walk, we'd just end up in the peeler bar constantly. <laughs> We're back in rehab. <laughs> back in rehab, yeah. Brilliant. So, well, maybe we'll send so, Grand Boat. I actually looked at flights real quick, and I think we can get them to, to, uh, London, and to back London and back cheaper than we could get you to Toronto and back. Yeah, that's brutal. That's what Canadian Airlines, wow. that's disgusting. So, oh, wow. So that's what I was kind of going to talk about it before we, we finished it off was, was getting that synchro walk, like getting it almost like a little game, right, to people. So they have like, because you've already, you you've already created this, you know, instruction manual and the dice and all that and just teaching people how to do it themselves, right, would be a great little way to expand it. Absolutely. I mean, it is really simple. And like I said, the dice is ultimately all people need. Uh, it, it, you know, it just... You know, you're you're just nominating directions. You get to a street corner where there's like multiple directions. You take the two dice and you'd say, okay, if they roll a one through three, we go that way. If it's a four through six, we go that way and so on. And people then sometimes are like, wait a second, wait a second. You can't roll a one with two dice. And to me, this is one of those things, again, where if you're open-minded and you allow yourself to get into these flow states where anything can happen, you roll two dice on a city street, one of them can wind up going down a manhole. And then you're left with one dice. And what if that one dice that was rolled winds up with a one? So it's to me, it's just always allowing, you know, there to be realities within realities. And once people have their first, their second walk, they start to get into that sort of mindset where they they let go. They learn to trust themselves. It's like the, the GPS in your car. You know, how many times do people sort of set the sat nav or the GPS? And then when the when the uh, voice says, you know, next left, how many people don't turn, you know, the next left? We've learned to trust that. So it's the same with our inbuilt, you know, inner GPS, our intuition. When we learn to trust it, we can trust it as much as we can trust our car's GPS. Well, I love it. I love what you're doing. That's awesome. Fuck yeah. Maybe we'll send Grambo out. And if not, are you coming back to Canada anytime soon? You know, I haven't been to Canada in a while. Um, I think I was 22 years old when I was last there, when I was hitchhiking back from uh, Alaska down to the Yukon. That in itself was magic. But, yeah, I'd love to come back to Canada soon. Well, yeah. well if you come do, yeah. Down, we'll have you in the igloo, and you can lightsaber us. <laughs> Maybe you can be a little more gentle. We can ease into it. <laughs> Happily, to, we'll, we'll use the program Happy on you. It'll be very gentle. Oh, okay. You can help Darren tiptoe into the... Into, into the, the rabbit hole. Into the abyss. <laughs> I've got my own recipe for happiness. All it needs is sunshine and water. Nice one. All right on. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Todd, and for staying up late. I know it's got to be close to 2 a.m. over there. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this is, this is my favorite time of night. So, yeah, Darren, Graham, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Right on. Oh, yeah, Thanks, it's buddy. Been great. Yeah, big thank to Isaac for uh, yeah. starting the whole synchro off. Yeah, and one of our emailers, I was looking for the email and I couldn't find it. But thanks to the listener who, uh, who sent us your walk-in video as well. Fantastic. You should start I, a really synchro walk here, that. man. No, you can't, you can't do it. It's, it's uh, too, not, big yeah. en- not a big enough city, I don't think. Well, we've done this out in the middle of the countryside, and we've had amazing experiences. Oh, wow. I mean, you, you really can do this anywhere. Damn, damn, you just really, eh? I was just picturing because I mean, the London one is so perfect because London, you could just keep going. You, you know, could do nine city, stops but... in the bus here. Yeah, you that's set up a, a little... you can do it in a totally different car. way. I mean, you you literally you can do this in cars. 
where you roll the dice and maybe you're following, you know, you're saying, should we follow this car? Uh, and then you follow that car for a few minutes and you don't know where it's going to take you. Or even if you're out in the countryside, tractor goes by, you know, roll the <laughs> dice. Um, maybe you sort of tempt fate, you know, roll the dice. Do you sort of uh, speak to the farmer or you do not speak to the farmer? Uh, you know, there's so many different ways to play this stuff. I mean, we've done it in a lot of different conditions, lots of different environments, and it always works. It always leads us deep down the rabbit hole in some way. Nice. Okay. Well, you've inspired me then. There you go. That's good. Right on. Thanks, Grass Todd. Inspired. Look out, world. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Okay. Thanks, Graham. Okay. okay talk Todd. to you soon. Ciao. Take care. Bye. That was our chat with uh, Tad, Todd Akamesis. Akamesis. That's like a Greek god name. Yeah, it's very legendary. Be in the movie Gladiator or something. Yeah. That was a great one. Yeah, that was awesome. Fuck yeah, I liked it. Yep. Super knowledgeable about the uh, astral realm. Very articulate, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got a ton of UK posse people, so I don't see any reason why uh, a couple of you shouldn't be heading down and trying this out and uh, tell them Grimerica sent you and they'll let you in. Yeah, start your meditating and your breath work now. Or maybe they won't let you in, but they might let you in. But uh, yeah, go try it out and uh, yeah, report back. And I'll put all the links to all that in the show notes. If you the go, that's a good way for UK really cool. posse people to get on the show. If somebody goes and does the thing, yeah, then uh, yeah, then maybe uh, we'll have them on the show to talk about it. Yeah, you got to promise to do the priming though, the breath work and the meditation and that's some it. qigong before you go. Some qigong. Move that energy to your lower dantian. Right on. Big thanks to Todd staying up late. Um, so yeah, I think we could get you there and back for like seven hundred bucks. Not bad, eh? That's I thought it was way more. Fuck, maybe maybe UK meetup is doable. You know what? Even it would in, just be a lot of time on a plane because Oh yeah. We'd have to like leave on a Saturday morning and be back by Monday on a long weekend. Well, you have more holidays than me. But if we did it next year, we could probably work something out. Because you'd want to go like a Wednesday to a Tuesday or something like that. You'd get the cheaper flights. Maybe a Thursday. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but then it'd be tempting to just go for the whole like two weekends and a week in between, you know, and then do the whole castle hunting thing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I love driving around the UK. You need a plane. Ooh, you drive on the wrong side of the road there too. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Jeez. that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's already kind of scary driving with you. And they're all they're all such good drivers there. They're, it's way different. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it. Cheap shot at Canadian driving. Anyway, big thanks to Todd. Uh, big thanks to you guys for listening. Of course, head over to grammarica.ca slash support. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways there. You guys can support the show. Uh, anything from a buck a month to 30 bucks a month or so, I can send you a custom one if you want. Uh, I can send you a custom whatever you want. Uh, but like I say, there's a bunch of monthlies there. The monthlies really are best. They help us kind of know where we're at. And uh, all our bills are monthly, so that helps. But uh, one-time donations are great too. And of course, if you can't support the show monetarily, and you do get some value from the show, you can always give back in other ways. You can spam Graham. Make some jingles. Make some jingles, which there's a ton of jingles coming in. I love it. It's like one of my favorite things. Uh, send in your music. I've been able to play like a lot of original music from listeners on the show. So if you send in your music, I will play it. Uh, we do have quite a few listeners now, so it is getting it out to a lot of people. So if you're looking, if you got some music, you want to get out, send it over. And uh, I don't even care what genre it is. It's, right it's on. Good. I'll play it. Good. Anything else? I don't know. I think that's what it. The show. Yeah. Sign up for the newsletter. Fucking be nice to yeah. each other. Did you say review it? 
view the show. Yeah. Be nice to each other. Yeah. I think that's about it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
dark sky, which is great. <laughs> Had a plan camping, pitched a tent, went back there for the night. Crystal clear. Darkest night. Decided to read that meditation, did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. We started seeing flash bulbs. Streakers coming down. Graham Dunlop is the he said it star. Graham Dunlop is the he said it star. Blah, 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 blah.